Welcome to Savvy Saps Podcast on Call-In. This is episode 88, Taibbi hearing in Congress. Matt Taibbi testified in front of Congress House Subcommittee about the Twitter files. How do you feel about the hearing? And let's go ahead and bring in CR. You are on the mic. What's going on? Oh, hey, how's it going? Sure, I touch up my volume here. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Happy happy rainy evening to y'all. Um Yeah, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has been bad for a very long time. Yes. So so that that was unfortunately very par for the course. Um the 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 main thing that I was struck by all this was uh, was a, 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 a kind of a missed opportunity, wouldn't you say that um it just again, very partisan, right? You can you can tell by you know the the kind of uh, so Mr. Taibbi, you call you so called journalist, you know yep. and those kind of things. You're just like oh Jesus, like it, there was just uh, ultimately nothing substantive, really that that came out of it. You know what I mean? It, the 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 caricatures that were made uh, uh, of him and uh what's a uh Sh- Shellen Shellen Schellenberg Michael Schellenberger yeah Shell- Schellenberger sorry yeah um yeah it, 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 an, uh, if if they wanted to 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 make it a, a look like a a nothing burger excuse the pun it worked because you know the 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 questions made it such a farce you know the way that they treated Matt and him uh, um I, I, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I just kind of feel like uh, that that there's there was there was such a good chance that there could have been something really kind of extracted out of it. But the way that the Democrats behaved, uh, I honestly felt like it, it. They they did a very effective job of just kind of basically turning it into some type of uh, um, Alex Jones esque conspiracy theory. Would you agree? I do agree, and I think that for me. Like I said, I listened to the entire thing this morning and it was very frustrating for me because I, you know, I I understand like Matt and Michael have to remain calm, but I felt like they were very much disrespected uh, by certain Congress members, especially uh, Congresswoman Plackett. I believe that was her last name to call them so-called journalists. I mean, they were speaking to them in such a way as if. If I were new to this space, I would think these guys just became journalists yesterday. You know, how can you ignore the fact that they've they've written books? Matt Tybee's been around for a long time. So I was very surprised that she wasn't even familiar with him. Uh, It was just really weird to me. I felt like they did not do their research. And again, like this is another example where I do feel like the Democrats have a way, especially recently, of being so weak and poor on the issues that they actually make the Republicans look decent. And that for me was, was frustrating. I'm like, how do you make Jim Jordan look decent? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Only they could do that. Only they could do that. And I think. Well, is that, but is that, is that, is that really a fault or is that more of a feature? Because I think that's really what, isn't that Democrats job is to play the heel, to play the, the, the heel to fascism. Yeah, that's that's part of their job. But but also at the same time, like to me, this whole narrative that they tried to 
they tried to pursue to make it seem like Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger were biased towards the Republican Party. To me, it didn't make any sense because they're both Democrats. Like Matt Taibbi has often described himself as an old school uh, liberal, right? Before the Democratic Party moved further to the right. So like back in the day. And so to me, it was just like, why would they intentionally want to hurt their own party? This is the information that was found. This is the information that was presented. Instead of questioning them about, you know, whether or not they received enough information or how many emails, because it, it, it's a long hearing. I didn't play all of it, but they received the number of emails or whatever, that kind of thing. To me, it was just like, shouldn't you be more concerned about the fact that you have government agencies that acted in such a way that I feel was an overreach, that they were trying to censor accounts on Twitter? Shouldn't you be concerned with that? So the gentleman towards the end that brought up Kanye West's uh, hate speech, I'm like, that had nothing to do with the information that was found in the Twitter files. So what he was trying to say is that, well, Matt Taibbi, don't you think that that type of rhetoric should be removed? Don't you think that, Matt? But that had nothing to do with the findings. Absolutely nothing. Just, just like, just like De Debbie Washerman Schultz going saying, did you ever make money? Did, 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 did you ever make money? No, hold on. Hold on. Excuse me, sir. Did you make, you know, you're like, yeah, well, if I didn't make money, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm fucking doing, lady. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's a, a distinction without a, you know, a, a, a purpose, you know, that, 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 that they, they, they do that because it's, it's endlessly distracting. They, they sound good in little sound bites. Right. That right. Kind of watch things. But the thing about that, that, that's important to remember about Matt Taibbi is again, what's one of those books that did very well, which was hate Inc. And who was on the cover of hate Inc.? Do you remember the two people that were on the cover? Hey, I forget. You have to remind me. I believe, I, if I remember correctly, it's I believe it's Maddow and Hannity, right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Again, you know me. I'm, I'm my my brains for sure. <laughs> my brain. But he, oh, that sounds he right. also wrote. They, they already. What's that? Yeah, Eric said that sounds right. He also wrote Griftopia though but, about but the oh eight. So he already going after somebody like their little precious Maddow. <clears throat> Right. Excuse me, a while ago. So he was already kind of on their shit list. And then as soon as he got it, uh, um, the, uh, uh, the, the curated data, at least we will, we will say at least this point from, from Elon Musk, then the campaign kind of uh, um, started against Matt Taibbi. So we kind of saw from the, the Democratic politicians seems to be an, ex an extension of that narrative. And it, as frustrating as it is, the, the main takeaway that I have is, is that isn't this a confirmation of what we kind of don't know, but we know, right? We don't have like, we don't have like the direct, like we don't have like their text messages. We're not in on their meetings, but we see what they're doing. Right. And, yeah. We're pretty sure you're all how you're all on a coordinated kind of thing, right? You're all on a coordinated kind of message here. And I, and I think that that's kind of really what this is largely about is that they're they, they they've they've been annoyed with him for for a long time so i'm not surprised by that and also the attack and the way that it's been so coordinated against him isn't isn't that a confirmation of like what we already knew he's they're, they're they unfortunately are like confirming the things that he's revealing 
he's like, hey, these people have been in kind of colluding and trying to like censor people and narrative management. Right. And then these and then and then what do they do? What do they what do they do to Matt Taibbi immediately? Send try to censor narrative management and they they fucking confirm the kind of things that we're all been kind of feeling scratching in the back of our of our heads, right? Like in the back of our skulls, we're kind of like, ah, I get a feeling like this is all we're all being puppets on a fucking string. They yeah. confirm exactly what we've been feeling for quite some time. And and I, I wanna point out the inconsistency here, because again, I want to remind everyone that Matt Taibbi wrote the book Griftopia about the 08 housing crisis. Yeah. Now, who were the people implicated in that book? It was mainly Democrats. And so where was this same type of outrage and frustration when he wrote Griftopia that you're seeing right now from the Democratic Party in reference to the Twitter files? And that just proves to me again that the country is incredibly divided uh, politically. It's just like there was always party politics, but I feel like it has got it has increased and it's worse over the past couple of years, to be honest with you. How, how easy, though, do we ignore, though, Occupy Wall Street? Because, I, 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 you know, from my memory, I do remember it a lot, you know, especially here in, in Oakland. Right. There was a big there was a big Occupy movement in downtown Oakland. You know, uh, and uh, went down there many times. Um, but at the same time, I still kind of felt like the vast majority of everybody that I knew still, it, it was very peripheral. It were, you know what I mean? It wasn't really that big of a thing to them. It wasn't, you know, so they, they, they were concerned about it, obviously. And we know now that to a certain degree that it was infiltrated, but I still feel like they don't really get that worried. You know, uh, 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 Justin Trudeau's reaction actually to the truckers was a little bit of a tip of the hand, right? He overreacted to this kind of situation where I kind of feel like um, American kind of control machine wouldn't, wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Because it's always better to try to kind of give us the, uh, the illusion that we have freedom. And I kind of think that, that that's that's kind of thing that that is most threatening about what Matt Taibbi was showing us. Right. Is that you don't have freedom. You don't have freedom of speech. It's it's a very controlled narrative. You know, so they you don't and you brought up Occupy Wall Street. And I want to remind everyone who was the person that shut down Occupy Wall Street. That was Barack Obama. So that was that was another Democrat. And, and that's the thing is that when it comes to speaking against corruption when it comes to speaking against people who are the top like one percent calling out corporate power it really doesn't matter if it's a democrat or republican like they're going to call it out regardless because it affects them like those are their donors these are the people who donate to their campaigns, who make sure that they stay in office. Like they have to back and support their corporate donors. So I think this is a big part of it. Like anytime you try to come out and speak out against the corruption, especially when we're talking about class in this country, doesn't matter if the, the president's a Republican or a Democrat, they're both going to speak out against it. And a lot of people don't bring this up. They're like, well, Occupy Wall Street was actually a, a good movement. We had a lot of people that participate, uh, participated in Occupy Wall Street here in Boston. I thought it was going really well, but you have to remember that Barack Obama was the one who shut that down. And he also shut down the NBA strike. 
every time we, we had these opportunities to get some type of progress in this country during that era, it was Barack Obama who came in and shut it down. He shut down things even when he wasn't president, you guys. He was the one who came in and shut down even like the Bernie Sanders movement. Barack Obama was the one who made the phone calls telling people to drop out. Not that. Not that. This is a very important this is the, the very important thing that Sally's bringing up right here, and I hate to sound kind of preachy, but if you'll indulge me for just a minute, the Barack Obama, Bernie Sanders, one-two punch, at least for somebody of my age, just just, just turned 40, um, that, that for me has been the biggest thing, and I think it's been a large thing of a lot of people of my generation and around my generation, that we voted for Barack Obama for some change some hope and change (laughs) and we didn't really fucking get it. And then we, Bernie came in with this movement, this idea of a revolution. And we all got behind that, you know, again, very similar in a weird way to hope and change. Right. But we believe, I believe a lot. Sometimes still when I watch like those videos of the bird landing on the podium next to Bernie, it still almost kind of makes me want to choke up a little bit, you know what I mean? And this is, it's important to kind of think about like, why, why does this matter? Why is this like effective? Because this is how they manage us, right? We got together these big, huge crowds, 30, 40,000 people for Bernie. But what did we actually get for it? Did we get Medicare for all? Did we get any really progressive politicians? We thought we did with the squad and so on and so forth, but that, that didn't really actually happen, right? But, and, 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 and we look at ourselves and we go, well, what, are we, what did we do wrong? You know, what, what's the fault of ourselves? And we don't really understand that it's the machine that has very carefully crafted itself to be able to handle small pockets of revolution, rebellion, rambunctiousness. That can, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that so this is this is an important lesson that we need to really realize that think about this because we're all old enough to remember the the the, the feeling that we had when Barack Obama was elected. We all we all we all remember the, the feeling we had when AOC was elected. We all had the feeling that we had when Barack or, I'm sorry when Bernie Sanders was doing great in the primaries, right? But what did those things all amount to from what we're talking about since 2007 forward here? We haven't really achieved any progress other than a lot of feel goods. Yeah. So that, 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 that's, that shows you the kind of thing that we're up against here and that, 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 how, that, how easy it is for them to be able to divert our energy. We have to be careful of that in the future. We really do, because they do have this tendency to, when they see that we're gaining some type of steam, that we're really, we have a chance of getting something accomplished, they jump in and find a way to shut it down. But I will say this, there are people that are complicit. Even if it's a a basketball fucking thing. Right, right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. There are people that are complicit because some of the actors fold. Some of the actors cave and fold. The NBA, with all the power that LeBron James and the rest of those players had with that strike, they should have held the damn line. Regardless if Obama jumped in and told you to cut it down, whatever, 
they should have held the line and they could have done that because you know why their voice actually mattered. They saw what they did to Kaepernick though, you know? Yeah, but the NBA strike was different. There were way more people on board with that. They had, Sammy's right. They had the opportunity Mm -hmm. for solidarity. And Obama came in and told them to back off and LeBron and them caved just like that. LeBron and Chris Paul were leading that and they caved just like that. So the same thing can be applied to someone like uh, Bernie Sanders as well. Bernie Sanders had the numbers. We want to talk about movements. Bernie Sanders had the numbers for an actual movement, an actual, a real revolution in this country. Someone made a call. Revolution, it like actually like makes me feel something like in my body. Like I fucking hate it, Sabby. Like, don't you feel fucking betrayed at your like your your visceral fucking core? Yeah, but I've I've had time to you know process it and and to get over it and to move toward other things because the thing the thing is is this and 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 this is going to happen again. Like I hate to say it, but this is going to happen again because we talked about this before. We know that Marianne is not going to get to where Bernie got to. She don't have the numbers that Bernie have. She don't have the support. Like people loved Bernie. People love Bernie. Right. He won't even endorse her. And the progressives came out and said that they're endorsing Joe Biden. So it, it just, but again, it's like, like I said, this is why I get so frustrated when I look back on something and I see where we had those numbers to have like a real movement on the outside, not just through electoral politics and to see Bernie just walk away from it and see other people just be like, well, we have to build something. We shouldn't have to rebuild a movement because we had the numbers. I think we still have the numbers. The problem is now you're starting to see that certain things like direct action and mutual aid are starting to be smeared by people who participated in some of these things at one point in time. Now they're telling you just to go vote for the Democrat and not focus on mutual aid or direct action and not try to focus on some type of revolution. And I'm going to keep it real with you. You got to question that. You got to question that. Would civil rights activists have told you that? No way. Would Malcolm X have told you that? Malcolm X told you. He tried to tell people who the liberals were. He told you who they really were. And so the thing is, when I see the Democrat politicians the way that they spoke to Matt Taibbi, who, again, is someone of their own party, the way that they spoke to him today in that hearing, it's very disturbing to me because I'm just like, this is all about partisan politics. That's all it is anymore. Even if they're in the wrong, like they don't care. It's just all about you back the party regardless, even when the party is wrong. And that's why we don't get anywhere because people are beholden to the party and the American people continue to suffer. So for the black gentleman towards the end who wanted to bring up hate speech and to the black woman, Ms. Plackett, for her line of questioning as well, I'm just like, why are you guys sitting here trying to defend the FBI? Are you not aware of the fact, and they probably are, but are you not aware of the fact that it was just released that Malcolm X's family is suing the FBI? because of their involvement in killing Malcolm X? Don't you realize FBI, you wanna talk about for the gentleman who wanted to bring up hate speech and brought race into it and all that jazz. If you really cared so much about that, then you would be pushing back against the FBI because they killed our revolutionary leaders. They killed MLK, they killed Malcolm X, they killed Fred Hampton. So if if it meant that much to you, 
then you would not be sitting up here trying to support the FBI. He was sitting up there like an Uncle Tom. It pissed me off. Hundred percent. And and here's 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 the fucked up part about it. Like why you're a thousand percent right. Because think about what they were doing to Matt Taibbi. Like you said, he's in a, a, in a he said all the time. He says I'm a I'm an old school liberal. He says it all the time. I'm what you would kind of consider more of a old school liberal, like or something. To, you know what I mean? He says it more or less in those words. And and when you try, he to would say like a classical liberal, yeah. Yeah, classical liberal, something like that. And you try to push him sometimes on like, should we really get rid of the FBI? Should we stop, you know, all of our imperialism? You know, he's always gets really wishy-washy. And that's one thing I've always kind of kind of fucking frustrated me about Matt Tavey. He's like, man, you do such good fucking journalism, and but your politics are still kind of shit. You're so fucking wishy-washy and all that kind of shit. And he's always been that way. That Because you know how I first found out about, I'm sure a lot of you did, was when he used to be a guest on a, a Bill Maher back in the day. And I, I'm, I'm talking, you know, 15 years ago, you know, he, he would be, you know, cause he was writing for the Rolling Stone. He would have like a big popular article and Bill bring him on and stuff like that. And I, and I was a shit lib at the time back in 2008, you know, watch, watching uh, a Bill Maher and, and Matt Taibbi would come on. I'm like, Oh, I kind of like this guy. He's pretty cool, but he always has still kind of been a fucking sh- a, a shit lib. And they're willing to fucking eat his ass. Yeah, that's, so that, that, that's so how much, that's how crazy the fucking cult is now at this point. Is that if he even strays a little bit, even though he's like, "Hey, I I'm still with you guys. I'm not totally anti-war." Because he won't even he'll tell you he's like, "I'm not totally anti-war." You know yeah. I mean? like, so just just imagine if Matt Taibbi would have you know defined himself as a socialist. Just imagine how they would have treated him then. That, 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 but I mean, even still, he, 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 he's with them on so much of their shit. He wrote, I mean, he wrote for Rolling Stone up until just, a, you know, uh, uh, two, two, three years ago when they had clearly gone to shit. They clearly gone to shit years ago and he was still writing there. And, and I remember telling, telling some of my friends, I was like, you know, yeah, the only reason to read the Rolling Stone literally is for Matt Taibbi and that's it. Cause, cause you know what I mean? The, the, that, that, that fucking rag is going to shit. You know, uh, 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 um, so it, 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 to me, it's just exemplary of now how tight it's become a cult. You know what I mean? Yep. They, this is where we're at now. This is a, this is literally, I hate to, I hate to kind of like echo Jimmy Dore and a lot of these other kind of people, but really with this, isn't this is where we're at? They're, 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 they're a fucking cult, man. This is what, this is what it is. And, and I think it's just, like I said, it's just all about partisan politics and, the way that they were talking to him and they were treating him. And listen, if it was, it was flipped the other way. And if most of the information that was revealed from the Twitter files would have been about the Republicans and it would have implicated them, then the Democrat politicians on the subcommittee would have treated Matt Taibbi completely differently. Well, isn't that though, isn't that though still the narrative though? And then I kind of, and I still kind of agree to a certain degree with the, with the criticism that he's not really getting the full, but it's not really a criticism of him. It's really more a criticism of the information that Elon's giving to him, which I think is, has to be curated because he keeps kind of like spinning this yarn of, well, yeah, it's mostly conservatives that were being censored. And, and I honestly, you and I both know so many fucking lefties, so many anti-war, anti-war voices that have been, you know, banned, 
reinstated, banned, reinstated, da da da, over and over again, right? So we've seen that largely, but they try to pretend like, no, it's just this conservative thing, you know? Oh, old, old, baddie, baddie, Democratic, lefty, or left, uh, you know, pseudo lefty Twitter was out there swatting away the conservatives, but that that's really not the case, but. Well, one of the things that, that Tabius has said when he when he's talked about this is that Twitter, like the higher ups, you know, everybody who's the, the bigwigs at Twitter come out of Silicon Valley. And it's this Democratic Party kind of liberal type of, of crowd. And what he and so that's like that's their their bias. That's who they were going after. And that's why you see this in, in the emails and. And the really important part of it is the connection between them and government. Like, like that's like the real meat of, of the scary part of this story and why it's so problematic, why it's kind of, you know, death of the democracy type of, of stuff. And so I, I think that's why it, it, it plays out that way. And you know, like, you know, that's, that's what he found, you know, that that's the story that he found and you report the story that he, that he found. Well, no, the, the, from he found from the information that he was given, totally. But I'm just, I was more reacting to the recent interview that 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 Bree did with Matt Taibbi, where she seems to try to kind of press him to be like, it's not just right wing voices that are being suppressed, and he's kind of being very wishy washy about it, telling, kind of telling her like, you don't really under, you don't seem to understand the story, or whatever, you know. I mean, you see, you know, so. So there, there, there's an issue there. I don't know if you noticed that, Savvy. I did, but I it think it kind of was weird. Taibi was being a little weird. He's been because Bree's been a little weird lately too. But Taibi was being a little, little wishy-washy with her. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you notice that? Well, I did notice that, but I, I will say, I don't know. Maybe Matt Taibi might maybe getting a little bit of burnout in reference to these questions, and and I, I say that because. He's done a couple of interviews about the Twitter files, and he is being asked a lot of the same questions. Um, although I will say the interview that he did with Aaron and Max, that one was probably because that one was longer. I got the most information from that one because that was a pretty long interview. But I, I will say, I think, you know, Matt Taibbi has said this a couple of times that there were left accounts that he did find that were either shadow banned or suppressed. And he mentioned the World Socialist website and he mentioned uh, the Yellow Vests in France. He mentioned them. There was a couple a couple other ones too. I can't remember all of it, but he did mention that there were ones that he found. And I think where people may be a little bit frustrated is that some people are hoping to see that there was suppression or shadow banning of Julian Assange content, or there was... Uh, suppression or shadow banning of Bernie, Bernie like election content, like things like that. I think uh, Palestinian, pro-Palestinian content on Twitter, those are the ones I've heard people, at least talking to people in DM chats, like people have said, like, where's the information about Julian Assange? So, Because these are the kind of things like we know that stuff has to be suppressed because like we have to do like a tweet storm to get Julian Assange even trending on Twitter. Like that's how we get it trending. And we know a lot of lefty accounts that have been suspended or removed and all that kind of stuff. And like, I mean, yeah, he did report about the COVID narrative about how they even had a hand in that about suppressing that type of content. 
but I know what you mean, CR. Like, yeah, I, I'm still waiting to see. Like, I, I think Matt Taibbi did say in another interview that he did look for Julian Assange. He didn't see anything there. Yeah, well, so. you know, we, yeah, and also another. Like, I, I've been babbling for way too long, so yeah. He definitely said another one of the things that he's like, I'm only working with what they've given me. Right. right? He's like, I'm not. He's like, I don't have. I, I'm not sitting at a terminal with access to you know everything. And, and I get that totally. And that's why you know. And and and, and I, I know he's working in good faith. He's not. You know, he's he's a shit lib. He's an old school shit lib, but we love him. Nonetheless, because because he do, he does good work, you know what I mean. He may have bad pedal, bad political opinions, but eh, fuck it, you know, because he, he does his work honest. I, I I honestly have never felt me per. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. I think he's doing the best that he can with the stuff that 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 he's given, and that's well, I mean, the thing that bothers me is that the, I, I think the other problem here is systemic. I mean, what should be happening is there should be huge, high-profile congressional hearings investigating this. Congress should be subpoenaing the fuck out of Twitter and getting to the bottom of all this stuff. And, of course, that's not happening because that's no, 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 not no, no, in the interest of the people who really run things, you know, the money. hearings about Twitter. No, 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 no. This is, this is yeah. people shit. Get the government the fuck out of it. This is, to me, this is more important that we all just kind of learn to talk to each other and talk shit to each other. And if a motherfucker says some racist-ass crazy shit, Block them, mute them, do that shit, but don't fucking go on a crusade to take away their opinion. We want them out there saying all of their bullshit in the open. Okay, That's, well, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm free speech absolutist. I I am for blocking the assholes, and and and, and I'll, you know I'm for like getting a you know a, a spreadsheet to load into your your preferred block terms so you can blanket block people really easily, totally. But no, no, no. no. Let's just keep the government the fuck out of our speech. Let's let us all argue it out as ugly as it can be in the fucking public square. You know what I mean? Let these racist pieces of fucking shit, let these imperialist fucking war pigs say all their fucking dirty secrets out in the open. Let them speak. And if you don't want to hear it, block it, mute it, move on. And uh, sorry, I've been talking for way too long. I love you, Sabi. Love you, Eric. Love you, Noel. Love you, chat. Have a good night. Thank you, CR. Thanks, yeah. All right, let me bring in Maria. What's going on, Maria? And then I'm going to pivot to Noel. What's your take on all of this? It, can I just dive into my observations and thoughts? I, I'm sorry to this, you know, skip the pleasantries because I always wonder how you're doing and if you're doing well. Dive right in. But, um, you know, from the very first second, you know, as as populace of this country, when I see our our Congressional Justice Committee sitting on two sides of the dais, you know, the speaker's podium, and clearly divided you automatically know something is wrong with this situation. I mean, that, that, that's the first tell. I mean, the optics of that are really, really awful and despicable. And, you know, I, I don't know where to begin, but, you know, the, the awful language that they used, you know, you can make a drinking 
game from that hearing, the number of times they told Schellenberg and Taibbi, I'm not asking a question. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking a question. So it was really just a platform for people to, you know, speak to an audience. Why, why do you invite, why do you invite testimony if you aren't going to ask questions? You know, they, the questions were few and far between. And when anybody had a contest to any accusation, the automatic response was, well, I didn't ask you a question. I'm not asking. I mean, what's going on there, Savvy? What 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 is that about? I mean, it's so despicable. That the behavior is so childish. I I can't even yeah. grasp it. Well, I think it was very rude. It was very rude for them to do that, but it was, you know, they made it very obvious that they were not, you know, supportive of what Matt Taibbi did. They weren't happy that this Twitter files experiment even took place to begin with. But you're right. Why were they divided to begin with? Because, again, it's all about partisan politics. And I think this should have not been a left-right issue. This should have been a security issue to the point that you should be concerned, if you are Congress, you should be concerned that the FBI had overreach, that they're spending time on this one. Aren't there serial killers that need to be catched? Like, they, like it's things like this that, that really like bother me, that the FBI, that the CIA, that all of these other you know, government agencies were spending their time worrying about what was happening on Twitter and trying to censor people on Twitter. And by the way, I still want to see the YouTube files, by the way. I want someone to release those because I know a lot of us in independent media are heavily suppressed. So it's just... It's a waste of time and resources. And that's what they were doing. And not only that, like you should stand up for free speech. And the fact that you had Democrats sitting there not willing to stand up and advocate for free speech and they were rude and they were condescending and they were trying to over talk Matt Taibbi. It kind of reminds me when Mark Zuckerberg had his hearing in Congress. And while I had many criticisms of Mark Zuckerberg, it was very clear to me that our congressmen and women did not know what the hell they were talking about. They didn't understand how ads work on Facebook. They were not tech savvy, obviously. Same thing t today. Like they didn't even do their research, Maria, for a congresswoman Plackett to say a so-called journalist, like how the hell do you not even know who you're questioning right now? Did you not do any research? Did, did you see when he rebutted in his opening statement that she immediately you know, turned over her shoulder and started talking to her staff. Yeah. Staff about it. Did you catch that? Yeah, because she was probably saying to, and I don't know this for sure, but she was probably saying to her staff, like, you didn't, you know, I wasn't privy to this information. But that's, that's not really like, and I know they have staff, but I feel like, no, that's on you. If you are going to be questioning someone, you should have done your research about who this person is. At least she, look she's probably like, what, she's probably like, what, what Substack again? Tell me that again. Yeah, just like <laughs> the Substack. I don't know. I guess it's a website. I don't know what this really is. Did you I'm give like, it to the Twitters? That was it. Was 
so bizarre. And I'm like, and I've seen them do this. But what's really scary, Maria, is that, again, it shows you just how divided we are in this country politically. And, th and then not only that, but it's not even just the way that they spoke to Matt Taibbi. It's also the way that they spoke to each other. Yeah, that, exactly. It, the optics of everything were just so despicable. I mean, it it was hard to watch. I mean, you know, I don't watch Maury Povich or whatever, you know, shows, but uh, that that was the worst reality TV imaginable. Uh, it is very scary for you know somebody that lives in this country. It is very scary. That level of disregard and divisiveness and dismissiveness and just people wanting to it was it was it was a it was a hearing with witnesses testifying and the number of times they said I wasn't asking a question that, that's so despicable. Well, then why are they here if you aren't asking them questions and just listening to yourself talk? I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. It was very, as my grandma would say, they were being nasty. <laughs> they were definitely being nasty. And I just, honestly, I think it was embarrassing. I don't know how many people watched that hearing this morning or watched it today at all, but these are the people running the country, you guys. And look at the way that they talk to each other. Look, not doing their research. And like, these are the people that we trust to vote on legislation in this country. It points to a bigger, a bigger picture. And I, I just, it's, it's very concerning and, and, and very troubling for me. And like I said, you know, props to Matt and Michael. I think they had a lot of patience because there's, and I have patience, but I think even for me, if you don't let people answer a question, I think that is problematic. Exactly. Or even if it wasn't a question, you should allow them space to respond. I mean, that that's ridiculous to invite somebody to testify as a witness if you're not going to let them do what you invited them to do. I will say when Zuckerberg testified in front of Congress, they did let him respond. They did let him speak. But this, what I, what I saw with this this morning, this was just, and you guys, I didn't show you the very beginning because it was really bad. Like the very beginning, I just jumped straight to Matt Taibbi's statement because the very beginning was actually Jim Jordan and Congresswoman Plaskett. They were arguing with each other in front of Matt and Michael and everyone else that was in that room. And I was like, this is really embarrassing. This is how our government functions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was painful to watch. The entire thing was painful to watch. I mean, I think one of the things to keep in mind is that, that this is a show. I mean, this, this is theater. And, and part of what's going on here, I, I think of like... Part of like like Overton window theory is is that you know you you have the things on the outside that that are not allowed to be talked about, and the things that are in the Overton window are not only they they're allowed to be talked about. In fact, it's encouraged to have a big fight 
that he sings within the Overton window, and that's all this partisan bickering and, and whatnot and all this stuff, and it's big fight, big theater. But the real objective or the real thing that happens here is that what is what we're not talking about, you know, what's not being talked about in Congress and what's not coming up, and that is, you know, how the system really operates, how they're all on the same team, they're all on team big money, they represent them, they don't represent us, they're all corrupt monsters, and and what we need to be talking about is that corruption and how to deal with that and fix that corruption, but they successfully get us all ginned up over this stuff and whatnot, and part of the reason why they hate Taibi so much is because with his reporting, he's starting to poke at that stuff. He's starting to poke at how the real power is working. And that's why they hate him so much. He's He's been doing it for 30 years, especially since 2008. He's not just poking. Hmm. You know, he's, he's carrying, you know, edged weapons with this business and... It was very generous of him. He he could have refused to be there. He's only one of five journalists that reported on it. And yeah, that's, that, that's that's another thing in itself, Maria, because I noticed that as well. They did not invite the other journalists to testify before Congress. Like Barry Weiss wasn't there. Maybe somebody and, likes her. <laughs> Yeah, and well, Lee wasn't there either. There was another person. I thought there were five of them. I can't remember the other person. I feel bad, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's that was very kind of weird too. Or maybe they were asked and they decided, you know, or they didn't want to. I, I don't know, but I just noticed like it was. It seemed like it was just Matt and and Michael. Maybe that's because they did the bulk of the Twitter file uh, releases. But I think that. It was really embarrassing to see they were very disrespectful. And I'm just like, these are our politicians. And uh, and of course, there had to be a politician sitting on that subcommittee for Massachusetts. And that guy is that guy's horrible, by the way. Eric knows. Oh, yeah. He's he's a Congress critter. He's he's a monster. <laughs> terrible, terrible. With, with Richie Neal, you know. But I feel like they were really trying to paint. It seemed like the focus was more so on Matt than it was on Michael. But I feel like they were really trying to paint them out to be as, oh, let's try to see if we can make it look like they are in collusion with Russia in some way or form. Just like they're they are Russia gating. <laughs> yeah, they're still bringing up Russia gate. They're like, well, did you know that this was found and released? And da, da, da. I was like, wasn't Russia gate debunked? Why are you bringing this up again? Like, so it's things like that. They also mentioned that Elon Musk had apparently when he bought Twitter that there was a Chinese investor who they said was a Chinese nationalist. And they're like, did you know that? And I'm like, oh, here they come with the China hate. Now they're going to tell us, oh, he's connected to China. And I felt like that's what they were trying to do. I really do. Uh, Noel, I want to go ahead and bring you in and get your take on this as well. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. You just have to unmute. There you go. For, good evening, everybody. For me, it's just a shit show, and I have little patience for any of it. Um, getting back to the beginning, I think Matt Taibbi exposed himself to this type of critique. He knew it was going to come. And just going back to the question that Brianna Joy Gray posed, if you have a person of Elon Musk's stature, who has paid this much and clearly had to, you know, raise funds from others to pay this much. 
if he is interested, he is no ordinary whistleblower. When you look at Julian Assange, who is publishing files that were given to him, um, released to him through Chelsea Manning and other people around the world, and he has a impeccable record, but he's sitting over in some prison and nobody on that stage, nobody on that dais was making the real issue about freedom of speech. The Republicans are playing a partisan game. The Democrats are on defense and Matt Taibbi and those other journalists knew they would be exposed to this. So if you are Elon Musk and I am a journalist and you come to me, I am going to push and argue for freedom of access to all of it. You're not going to screen it and give me a select portion because that way I know you have some vested interest and you're hiding something. And so when the lady was making the comment about your, you know, aren't you benefiting from this? Of course he is. And well, I, I think you need to, I think we need to remember the, the power dynamic in this, in that like, like Matt Taibbi had like zero power over, over Elon. Oh no, so he, he didn't. But here's the thing. You have you know. your reputation on the line as a journalist. And if you are the owner of Twitter, and you're coming forth because you feel like something needs to be exposed, then give me access, unbridled access, so that I began to use that to expose the entirety of what's going on. Not just and that Elon the just government. Says, no, I'm out. And then what happens? Right? And then you say, well, go on to the next person. Because here's the thing. If you allow them to okay. use you, they're going to use you. And the story that the government agencies, the alphabet agencies are using the social media platforms to their own advantage for their own political objectives. We all know that. And you can make that story. He could have they could have gotten access and made that story without all these Twitter release vaults. That's something that they could have done with just one set of. Things, but there's something else that Elon Musk is hiding. And it's different if you are a whistleblower like a Chelsea Manning or what have you, and or Edward Snowden, and you're saying, I see that these agencies are not functioning properly. I'm going to get what I can and I'll give you all that I can. And I'll trust you to do and, and release the forms. But if you are Elon Musk and you own it, you can give me access to everything because beyond what the government agencies are doing, there are things Twitter was doing out of Twitter's own energy. And those things need to be exposed. And so to the entirety of that panel, my concern is that you are playing this partisan game. No one is saying, you know what? Twitter and all these social media sites need to be regulated like the utilities they perform as. No one is saying, you know what? Julian Assange did us a service in showing us that the government, because think about it, what Julian Assange did is no different from what these um, Twitter file releases are doing. And that is exposing the degree that the government is breaching it's fiduciary responsibility to the people.
and and misleading us in all kind of nefarious ways. And so where is that self-righteousness as public officials where you saying Julian Assange should be free? We're going to have to reel in these agencies. We're going to have to police ourselves better. They're not doing that. You have Kevin McCarthy releasing the entire January 6th videotapes to one TV station, Fox News, at the particular time when we're finding out that behind the scenes, Tucker and all these other folks were saying, ooh, Trump is a nightmare. I can't stand him. I hate him passionately, this, that, and a third. But you release the entire thing to one station. That's just the same as the the FBI and these other agencies going to Twitter and saying, ooh, block these people. It's all the same crap show. And I'm just... Let me me ask real quick, Noel, um, because this is... So this is the similar point that Bree had that he should have asked for access, I guess, access to all of it. Um, Unqualified access. Right. And and not just what he, I'm guessing, and I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing maybe there were things in that information that implicated Elon, because I do know a couple people that were blocked after they criticized Elon. And they were like, what the hell is this? I just got blocked because I called him out on something. So maybe there was something that implicated him, but I, 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 I get that point. But I think the thing is, is that one of the questions that came up in the hearing is that were you given access to HR files? And they said, no. And he said, well, what did, what did you have access to? And I think if you say, give me access to all of it, that's all of it. That includes like HR files too, I would, I would think, but you're not supposed to, you should not have access to, to that kind of information. But that the point, have power in this relationship. I mean, the, the day right, on, but here's out to him, thing. he had access right. to nothing. But right, here's so, so this idea that he's just going to say, give me, give me access to this. And Elon's going to say, go F yourself. And then it's done. But see, I'm, I'm hearing two different, because the reason why I bring this up is because I'm hearing two different things. Because when Glenn Greenwald was on Brianna Joy Gray's show, she did ask him that question, like about the Twitter files, like, would you have done this? Da, 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 so whatever. And the response that he gave on a Bree's show was like, you know, I guess he would have done things a little bit differently. But then he came on my show after that and he gave a different response that he was contacted. He he was reached out to uh, in reference to the Twitter files, but that he didn't have the time. So I think. But here's the issue for me, it is an issue of integrity and journalistic integrity at that. It's different if. If you, Savvy, or you, Eric, work for an organization, one of the colleges, Boston College, and you come across something that's wrong, and you get what you can, and you take it to a journalist and say, this is what I observed, and this is what's wrong. But if the president of Boston College says, we have a problem here, I'm looking for you to be a good faith actor and give me access to whatever quadrant I need. I'm not saying that you, as uh, Matt Taibbi says, oh, give me access to every record you got, including your human resource files. But if you are going to say there is some nefarious activity where government agencies were leveraging this organization to block certain types of speech, then I want access to all the Twitter files. 
And and I'm not saying just give them to me, but I'm saying whatever screening process you are using, let me be a part and let me know what you're screening for. So when people come to me as Noel the journalist and say, well, did you have full access? I am able to say of the universe of Twitter files, I had access to all of them. And these are the things I found. That's, these that's were never the agencies. But and and that's fine, Eric, but that does not justify, in my opinion, that you allow them to use you in this way because it has clearly fed just the partisan machine. Again, I see this is no different as um, McCarthy releasing all the videotape to just Fox News. They're all playing this. But on the flip side, we have Julian Assange who was reporting on everybody and he is persona non grata across the board. Nobody is saying we need Trump wouldn't go in and, and, and say, no, we're not going to pursue this indictment. Uh, Joe Biden is not doing it. So my thing is neither side has a full appreciation for the truth and for the people. For the people, and my thing is, if I was a journalist and and the head of an organization came to me, my concern is about what I relate to the people, because I don't want to feed into any partisan stuff. And so, you know, and, and like you say, Brianna Joy questioned it. Um, Glenn Greenwald made some commentary about he would have had some concerns about it. But so clearly... That is a quotient of something that people feel needs to be addressed. Okay, so let me let me, let me just chime in really quickly because uh, there is one thing I do want to I do want to clear up. We don't know that Elon Musk gave him the information. And in fact, the statement on Twitter, the last Twitter files that I covered at the end, it said this information was given to me by a third party organization. So I, I do just want to say that because I don't want to I don't want people to hear that and then fly with that because that's like admitting that well Elon Musk is a source which we do not know that's that's what they were trying to pull out of him in that hearing so just FYI the statement on Twitter says it was a third party it doesn't say that it was Elon Musk uh, well, let's bring in Taibbi has kind of described pretty clearly how the whole process went in that they they went, he went to headquarters and the other reporters did the same thing. And they would they would put in their questions, and then someone would go off, and then they would come back with the responses, you know, from the database to the questions. Right. But I think it's pretty but clear that he is, was he was at at Twitter headquarters and and given some indirect access to that information, and he's he's been very clear about that. But, but this is be... not happening without Elon Musk awareness and to a certain degree blessing. Right, because but I think he can shut that. it down. I think for I think we need to be careful about saying Elon Musk gave him the information because we. I'm we not saying Elon Musk. I'm saying this whole entire operation with these release of these Twitter vaults is not happening without Elon's awareness. He's aware, and he is not signaling anything to shut anything down. And if they are going to the headquarters. We know that Elon Musk has a certain amount of control over the headquarters. Maybe so, he's very open about that. 
let's bring and, in. And that's what I'm saying. So all I'm saying in short is Matt Taibbi has opened himself up to this critique and to a certain degree it is legitimate. I'm not saying there's no value to what he has done. But again, just like CR has said, there is this ambivalence around these issues. We see the same thing with Brianna Joy Gray. Certain times around certain issues, they get fuzzy. And it is because these people are a part of the system like everybody else. And unless you are at the very bottom, nobody is trying to really stand for the people. They're making, you know, they're making their choices. We see Marianne Williamson. We see Nina Turner. We see AOC. At some point, all of the players. Now, on the flip side, you have a Chris Hedges who just cuts left and right, up and down, side to side. You don't see him being front and center because they know he is going to speak to the around the way totality of what's going on. So well, people are picking and choosing. Well, let's And I'm saying, Tom. I understand that. Let's bring in Thomas. I, I want to make sure. Thomas, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. And then I'll go back and forth. I'll, I'll, I'll go from Thomas. I'll jump to the the end of the line, because I know some of you guys that be at the end of the line, you'd be like, I'm waiting forever, and then I'll come back. What's up, Thomas? What's your take on all of this? Hey, Sabby, how you doing? Thank you. Um, yeah, so those of us uh, who were around and following what was happening uh, in 2016, 2017, with WikiLeaks and uh, the way that the uh, the predominant narrative that came out about WikiLeaks was, well, they're just not releasing all the stuff that they have on Russia and the Republicans. That became a huge and dominant narrative, and it's still around today. And it was designed to do exactly what we're hearing on some of, some of the speakers on this call and uh, exactly what Brianna Joy Gray was doing uh, in her interview with Matt Taibbi. And exactly what the Democrats on some of the Democrats on that hearing today were doing is designed to distract from the actual facts about what's what's being disclosed. There's there's only factual information was being disclosed by Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. Only factual information is being disclosed in these Twitter files. But we're getting this this conversation is being slid towards these legitimate critiques, uh, air quotes around that, so that we will wind up talking about whether or not these critiques are legitimate. Of course they're legitimate critiques, but they are besides the point. That's a good point, good point, Thomas. Um, you know, what I'm trying to get people to do is to to focus on the information that was presented in front of us, right? Like focus on what we do have and what we do know. And I think to Matt's point, like when he mentioned earlier about, you know, as a journalist, like you never know if you're getting the getting, getting everything, the entire story. You never know, like your source gives you information and another source gives you information. But do you know for certain that that's all of it? No, you don't. And I think that was the point that he was trying to he was trying to he was trying to to mention um i hear where you're coming from as well noel like i hear where everyone's coming from i think 
here's a question to consider. Do you think he shouldn't have done it? Do you think he shouldn't have participated in the project at all? I'll, I'll start with you, Thomas. Uh, no, absolutely not. Because, uh, sorry, uh, maybe that my answer is not clear. Do I think he should have participated in the project? Yes, absolutely. He should have participated in the project. There, there's very, very few trustworthy journalists running around out there right now. And if somebody like Taibi or Greenwald is not going to pick up the project, who's going to do it? Mm. Apparently Michael Schellenberger, who I didn't even know of until this whole thing dropped. Yeah, Schellenberger is awesome. Yes, you're right about that. Thank you. This is very interesting. Go ahead, Noel. I saw you on mute. Oh. Do you think Matt Taibbi should have not done it? I think Matt was right to do whatever, make the choice that he made. I think there should have been a huge disclaimer. And, you know, for me, like I say, I just am cut from a different swatch of cloth. And if I can't get, you know, the access, expect, like I say, this is not being done by somebody who's just bringing me files. This has a certain amount of coordination to it. And so if you're coordinating, if something is being coordinated in this fashion and it is being allowed, then I am circumspect because I'm like, you have an agenda and it's playing out in a very partisan way. So like I say, you know, we know that the alphabet agencies are using these um, social media people to control the narrative to their advantage. But what the point that I continue to make is, it's happening on all sides. And when we're in this system, yeah, you know, Matt Taibbi and him are demonstrating what happened with Twitter. But as you say, we know something is going on with YouTube. We know something is going on with, you know, Fox News Entertainment and all of this. And I'm saying there are no good faith actors in the congressional committees. They're none. And so on the and I'm not saying that it's Matt's responsibility to know the whole story, but I don't want the American people, as Thomas suggests, to be distracted and deceived in thinking, because you know this is playing out in a very partisan way. Yeah. And so the people who are already within that partisan framework, they're leaning into it. The people who who are into the democratic orbit, they're all into it. Oh, yeah, this and that. And, you know, Matt Taibbi is the devil from hell because this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then you have the other people on the other side who are playing the other side. I'm saying we look to the people like a Julian Assange, like Chris Hedges, who are telling us, look, guys, the entire system is screwing you. And when they do these shit shows like this committee hearing and this and that, for me, it comes off as just what I would expect it to be. Nobody is concerned about what is happening for us. Like I said, these social media sites should be regulated like utilities, but they're too big a tool to who's ever in office to use them to their advantage to control the narrative. The real question should be, should we be allowing all of the corporations to own every aspect of media? 
But you know, we say there's a guarantee of freedom of speech, but if you allow private industry to own all the methods and means of free speech, and then you can manipulate them, then you've subverted the whole idea of free speech. And you're going to tell us, oh, they're private organizations. They can control, they can do what they want to do. But what we see is you're really manipulating it. And so how do we ever get free speech if Corporate entities are controlling everything, and they are. So, yeah, I can see Matt Taibbi doing it. I'm not, you know, just so triggered by Matt Taibbi and this and that, but I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you kind of exposed yourself to this type of criticism, and it is legitimate, and we knew it would come, but I see the bigger picture, and it's just all a bunch of corruption. Mm. I think when Matt Taibbi was searching for files, I don't think in the beginning, like he automatically knew what he was going to find. You know, like he said with Hamilton 68, he wasn't searching for that. That was just something that came up in another search that he was doing. So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Uh, Thomas, anything else you want to add here? Uh, yeah, I, I would just say that, um, you know, I, I can certainly understand uh, why uh, Noel is is suspicious and circumspect in her uh, approach to something like this, and 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 I, I respect that. I think that there's always, you know, we got we got to be on the lookout for being uh, manipulated in some way, and I think that the journalists that have been involved in this have been very clear that they're aware that that's always the case. That when somebody comes to them with information that they have an agenda, you know, Deep Throat had an agenda with Woodward and Bernstein. Whoever leaked to Ellsberg had an agenda with the Pentagon Papers. Uh, and, you know, those things wound up with, uh, you know, deeply partisan uh, circus acts in, in front of Congress, impeachments, all that kind of stuff. That That's going to happen. And, I don't see that there's any way around that. I mean, I personally am much more in the camp of just send everything to WikiLeaks and put it all on the Internet for everybody to see it. Uh, I think that would be a much better way to deal with things. But um, I, I, I don't think we can really fault these people for, for publishing true information that's in the public interest. And, and yes, they, they kind of get what's coming to them with the political heat, and they subject themselves to the circus and – that just is what it is, but I am I am so thankful that they're doing it. Um, I, you know, I hope that what will come out of uh, these hearings as this progresses will not just be continued partisan nonsense, but that there will be some sort of subpoenas made to all of the intelligence agencies uh, and the FTC, and that there will be laws passed demanding that they turn over and publish all of the communications that they've had with every social media company so that we can all see what they've been up to. I'd love to see if Jim Jordan would actually put, you know, his, his money where his mouth is, so to speak. But we'll see. Anyway, thank you so much, Savvy. I really appreciate uh, your show and being here with you all tonight. Thank you so much, Thomas. All right, I'm going to pivot to the back for just a second. Ruben, you are here. You are on the mic. You just got to unmute. Let me know how you feel about all of this as well. I, I really think that it's it's a tricky situation to be in because I, I really do feel like the commentary that I heard from some of the Democrat politicians during the hearing was frustrating to me because it was almost like 
because they didn't like the information that was revealed, they wanted to make it untrue. And just because you don't like the information that's revealed doesn't mean the information is false. And that was something that really bothered me. What's your take on all of this, Ruben? Um, hi. So this is my first time calling in this room um, or this spe specific channel. Um, and um, I've heard what everyone has said before me coming on. And um, I do feel that Matt pretty much didn't like kind of wavered here and there for not going a little bit more further like like Noel mentioned um, on asking um, censorship directed towards the left. Um, but you know, I am so happy that we've had journalists that are covering or I'm uncovering um, corruption on both sides. And um, that's my take on that. But um, I've been following a lot about Nord Stream Pipeline. Um, and hopefully maybe in, the, in those Twitter files, someone might have any like tweets from, you know, from, for, um, from foreign, like foreign PMs or foreign presidents that mentioned something about Nord Stream Pipeline explosion. That would be great. But um, I'm my my thoughts are, are a lot more about Nord Stream and um, I've been following a lot because I am part German and um, I've been following a lot the anger of the German people and specifically I mean I mean Europeans and specifically German people and how Olaf Scholz is completely silent not one to put blame on Joe Biden and his administration how maybe more than like ninety percent the u.s did it um and i've been wrestling with the fact that like if a if another world war or like if another world war happens i've been thinking what will what what role will germany play will they be allies since Nord Stream is on both it, it's it, you know Ger germany Ben, ben, benefits a lot from Nord Stream and if for miraculous reasons someone says yes the U.S. did it that is an attack on Germans so where do we stand which role do do we play do we play the with the allies do we not go to any world war or in the worst comes to worst do we align ourselves with Russia and it's it's is this emotional turmoil I'm going through as a German because I'm so upset that this happened and how dare, you know, the U.S., you know, did something to us Germans to, to the point where I think Joe Biden, Joe Biden doesn't like Europeans. And I'm also angry that Olaf Scholz isn't pushing back because he did here and there. And this is why I liked him in the beginning. And I, you know, I am a Green Party in Germany and I'm so angry that even the Grüne Partei is so warmongering. So what are your thoughts on that, Tavi, since you said that you used to live in Germany? And, you know, when, when Ola Scholz um, okayed the, the Leopard 2 tanks, that was also like a very hard day for a lot of Germans, not just at home, but abroad. Yeah, I was actually surprised when that happened. I did not expect that to come from Germany. And it sounds like, like, based on the information that that I've read, it sounds like the German people actually did not want that to happen, but the Green Party in Germany 
did want that to happen. It was really interesting that came from the Green Party. But I think that, you know, this is a really telling time. I'm seeing protests in Europe against NATO and against this war, like calling for peace. Um, I think that based on the information that I gathered, Germany felt like their hand was forced in a way because Joe Biden was going to send tanks. And so because they were an ally, they felt like they were pressured to do so. Um, This is the whole thing about allyship. And I brought this up one time before. Is it okay to go against an ally if you feel like they are in the wrong? And, you know, I think it's, it's a valid question. And who knows, maybe that will happen someday in the future. In reference to the Twitter files, um, we may not see anything about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And the reason why I say that is because it seems like all the information that Matt and uh, Michael Schellenberger are actually searching in reference to Twitter files are the events that happened before Elon Musk bought Twitter. So we may not see anything post-Elon. Um And uh, because then that would be really damning on Elon, right? Because they already spoke to Jack, who was the previous owner of Twitter. He's already said his his piece and his spill. And then he kind of faded into the darkness. But it it seems like all of the information that they're searching is coming from pre-Elon, not post-Elon. So we may not see anything uh, in reference to that because that would... If there was something damning there, that would actually implicate Elon Musk. But that brings up another question, which is what Noelle was hinting towards as well when she said, like, Elon might be hiding something. What if Congress says, "Okay, Elon Musk, you have to send us the Twitter files from everything that's happened since you took over Twitter? You know, that this is a, a scary hand. That I think, you know, Elon is playing because this is the thing. What if Congress does subpoena him, ask him to do that? And then what's going to come out about what happened under Elon Musk's leadership? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and the reason why I mixed indoor Nord Stream, because a Polish prime minister said, thank you. I, I think he was the one that said, thank you, America, like very quickly on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, or some prime minister in, um, in the eastern flank of, of Europe. And I'm just crossing my fingers if for some reason during this whole investigation or um, continual findings of the Twitter files, they, they come up with Nord Stream pipeline type of tw- um, tweets. But um, yeah, um, I, I guess for me as, as, as a German living in the U.S. and I'm, and, and I'm also American and Mexican, like um, that, the, the question of which role should Germany play if it does become true that that Americans effed us over. What and what role does an ally who was effed over do when we do go into another world war? That's that's like that that that's a question for us German people to also ask ourselves. Like, do we want our own country to go to war? And if so, I guess we're gonna be um, with the allies because obviously the last two world wars we were the bad guys. And I would understand it in that point of view, but I definitely do not want to go to war, obviously. But it is that that um, tightrope. I mean, that balancing tightrope. I'm, I'm, I mean, tightrope. Um, the the U.S. did f Germany over. Well, not just the not not German government, but German people and Europeans. So it is very disheartening. Well, not just disheartening, but I'm just I'm still livid because, you know, that's that's my 
next homeland, you know? Yeah, I, I totally hear you. I would assume that Germany would not be down for a World War III, but... Um, mm-hmm. Well, the other... Well, the other thing with World War Three is we're kind of all dead. <laughs> yeah. that little detail. But I, I think, like, up, like before that, I, I feel like I, I almost feel bad for Germany. I, I feel like they don't have very many choices because if they don't, if they don't do whatever the U.S. says, then U.S. and Biden will, will crush them. I just yep. don't think they have much wiggle room. Next thing yeah, you know, start ex- putting ex- sanctions on Germany. Yeah, exactly. And also, is that is that German Schuld? You know, we had obviously, well, we never had Hitler. Hitler is Austrian. But with World War II, I think us Germans have been tied for so long with that narrative that, like, if for some reason we do enter a world war, then, you know, for the sake of the guilt, Germans would probably say, yeah, sure, let's just be allies just for the sake of, like, try to recover from that one imagery of you know german germans equal hitler so i i there's a lot of emotional like situations going on with german people and it it is it, it it's hard to grasp you know yeah i can understand i can definitely understand and thank you for clarifying that hitler was really not a part of germany he was austrian mm-hmm. because till this day i still have to correct people on that yeah exactly like like when i tell people like oh i'm part german they're like oh hi hitler and i'm like oh hell no let's let's not go with this again those are austrians hitler was born in österreich he just came to germany because for some dumbass reason and then took over germany so it's it but hey that's right that's right well thank you so much for calling in ruben yeah no problem have a good one you too Okay, let's bring in Rob. Rob, you are on the mic. How do you feel? How do you think Matt Taibbi did in the hearing? Oh, I, th- I thought he did great. I mean, they, they tried to smear him as much as possible, as usual. But, uh, you know, I, he's used to it at this point. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's funny with the, uh, you know, they criticize him for, oh, the richest man in the you know, one of the richest guys in the world, you know, asked you to do this and, he shouldn't do it because Elon Musk asked him. It's like, well, who, el- who else was asking him to do it? Was the old CEO going to ask him to do it? You know, would it, I, guess, I guess it would be okay if the janitor at Twitter asked Matt Taibbi to do this and provided him with all this 100,000 documents, you know, or maybe a blue-collar guy would have bought Twitter and then asked Matt <laughs> Taibbi, like, anybody but Elon Musk. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think that's... Total bullshit. It's gaslighting. But uh, um, I was I was pretty shocked with Brianna Joy Gray. Um, I thought she sounded like an amateur when she said, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be looking up my uh, my friends who said they got shadow banned because of Bernie. And I'm like, well, yeah, that would have been that would look great at the hearing. You know, if you had if you had all the information on that. And uh, I think at one point in the hearing. They were asking uh, Matt about time const- or constraints. Const- did, did you have any constraints? And he was like, no, no. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you had constraints. You had time constraints. There's only so many hours in a day to go through all those documents. You got you to gotta pick carefully. You can't think about, oh, my friend got shadow banned. Let me look into that. I got like, to dive deep and get the real shit because I'm going to be cross-examined and smeared and all this shit. So I think people got to remember that. 
Um, right. And I'll, I'll add too. remember, he also said he tried to pick what was newsworthy at that time. So just right. I mean, how do you even know what to search for? I mean, it's, how long would it take any of us to go through 100,000 documents? He said he had to hire people and Elon Musk wasn't paying him. I mean, imagine if Elon Musk paid Taibbi what people would be saying about him. So, well, I mean, first it's of a all, lot we, of work. Can we talk about that for just a second? Why what, Why weren't they paid? I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, but I mean, but, but if they were, I mean, it, that, that would be all you would be talking about is, oh, how much did they get paid? Oh, my God. He's the richest guy in the world. He's paying them all. Well, you know, if Musk did pay them, that that would be a problem because then then it does look like a, a PR relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. That is that's good. that's all anyone would be talking about, you know. But just think about it this way, too. Had it not been for them choosing to do this project, we would still never know about this, this information. Like, I know we all had our, our hunches, but we didn't have evidence. Right. Like, who was who was going to let anybody do this? You know, it's like. Let's let's look at what we got at least. I mean, and yeah, like like you said, Taibi said, with every single source he gets, he does not know if they're telling him every single part of the story. Like, they could be leaving something out that's embarrassing to them. You know, it's like you're still going to report on the story. It's, he said, "Is it newsworthy?" You know, and I this is definitely newsworthy. It's not a nothing burger like a lot of people like to say it is. You know, yeah, I, this, I, this I, affects I us. I do agree, and I've seen uh, some some unfair, I would say, attacks about him since he took on this project. I have seen it on on Twitter, uh, and from people that I some people that I respected too, and right. I, I I'm just really surprised. I'm just like, wow, like <laughs> tell us how you really feel, and. You know, I, I still question the partisan side of it because I feel like if most of the information that was released from the Twitter files was, you know, damning evidence against the Republican Party, I don't feel like some of the Democrats who came after Matt Taibbi would have came after him. I felt like it would have been the exact opposite. They would have been praising him for releasing that information. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know about like in this in this situation, I don't, I don't even see how like the Democrats... I don't, I don't see them as even implicated in this. Otherwise, Matt Taibbi might have like dug that angle up on it. But it, it seems to be more the agencies like CIA, FBI, the, that stuff. So it's, it's kind of weird that the Democrats are siding with them, which is it's very telling. I mean, but you know, I, I don't know why they had to. Um, I don't know why they couldn't have kind of maybe just acted interested at least, and you know, maybe kind of asked just more bullshitty questions, but. I mean, you, you definitely know where their where their loyalties lie now. So, yes, yes, um, you do. I mean, it's but we've seen we've seen this before at other hearings where they've questioned people as well. And I think, oh yeah, that, they, they'll always circle the wagons and you know go with whatever side needs to be protected. They'll, you know, you, right. you'll you'll see one side. It, it was very one sided. Every you knew what the Republicans were going to do. The Democrats are only going to ask ask a yes no question and try to talk the whole time and. Right. So, I mean, do you think that Elon Musk might be subpoenaed? I, I guess. I mean, it's possible. I mean, sure. Why not? Subpoena whoever you want. And oh, I want to ask you, like, what, what if you did start talking back to those assholes? I mean, what, what can they do to you? That's a good question. I mean, they can tell you to be quiet, I guess. But I mean, I would have like, been like, I, you know, I think you're a joke. You know, I, I would like 
I would have just been constantly talking back to them and, you know, what can they do? Contempt of Congress? I don't even think that's a real, I don't think they could do anything. But yeah, I would have been, I would have been way ruder. I don't know why they were asking about like, you know, Biden's laptop and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they're there about the Twitter files, you know, how to, and, and, and all that crap, you know, yeah, all the January 6th stuff. I mean, not the January 6th stuff, the, uh, you know, the Russiagate stuff was, it was crazy. Like and I like, said, like all the information that was released from the Twitter files is like, really, you didn't want to bring up anything else. And, and you can't even talk about the, the January 6th stuff, like why they were doing it. Nope. And I was thinking about like, what if, what if Mark Zuckerberg went on uh Joe Rogan in like December of 2020, like after the election, but before January 6th and said what he said about the FBI coming and saying, Hey, don't release that laptop thing. How many, how many more additional people might've been stirred up to go to that January 6th rally? Cause I mean, I think, I think that's a, a real sign that somebody tried to seal the election when they withhold that information from the public. But the other thing too, that I want to mention is that, it also seemed like to me, I feel like it doesn't matter what Matt or Michael Schellenberger would have said. I just felt like the Democrat politicians wouldn't have been satisfied either way. Oh, never. And I, I will say, like, again, it was really disturbing to see them constantly cut him off. That's why I was like, let someone talk. Like, you ask them a question, let them answer the question. I think that's pretty standard stuff, though, for these types of hearings. They're dog and pony shows, and every every member comes up and just basically gives a speech, and the person sits there. I think if you if you, if you watch these, it's it's pretty standard stuff. Not going all the way back to McCarthy here, you know, and before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much of a Democrat I used to think I was, and I was watching this hearing, and I was just like. Wow, these Republicans are just—they just look so good. I mean, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm right there with them. You know, it's like—I—I I never thought I would be saying this, but yeah, it's like, terrible. It's yeah. terrible. Like I said, like, how do you make Jim Jordan look good? Oh my God, he looks so good. He was like the voice of reason. A couple of them were. I forget. Uh, Bishop, I think, did a really good job. There was a woman there too. She was real calm, and she did a great job. Um, but yeah, they—they—they they, they, they look really good. Like, if you—if you were just getting into politics. As like a young kid, you'd think, oh, the Republicans are totally where it's at. You know, Democrats are horrible. So it's it's definitely it's great PR for a Republican Party right now, I think. So, yeah, I can hear that, too. That is something they can brag about um, going into 2024. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Rob. No problem. Thanks for having me, Savvy. All right, we're going to swing back to Dun Dun Dun. Robin, you are on the mic. What's up? Just have to unmute. Hey, Sabby. Hello, how are I'm, you? How are you? How are you feeling about this, Robin? <laughs> you know, let me start off with Miss Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, it doesn't surprise me that she was so rude to Matt Taibbi because. If anybody remembers, she was one of the main people that was implicated in the WikiLeaks um, dump that happened in 2016 when it came out that she was one of the ones that was helping rig the election against Bernie for Hillary Clinton, you know, by uh, working with Donna Brazile and them to give her the, que the, the questions in advance to, you know, the... Um, 
the debate uh debates that they were having and all of that other kind of stuff so you know she's personally already been burned by these types of exposés in the past so no she has no love for people like Matt Taibbi doing the same thing she probably sees her life flashing by you know before her eyes and wondering what else is gonna come out with her name on it (laughs) and then that other lady the plastic lady you know she had a lot of nerve uh calling Matt Taibbi and that uh Mike Schellenberger uh so-called journalist when she is literally a so-called congresswoman from (laughs) I mean literally from what the the Virgin U.S. Virgin Islands, she is not a congressperson. She is a what they call her a delegate and has no voting rights on on you know in Congress. So you know, I mean that that's that's real rich coming from her. <laughs> I'm like I, I don't understand that so-called journalist. I'm like. You could have done, all you had to do is a quick Google search. Right, right, right. And like I said, you are literally a so-called congresswoman. But not yeah, a real okay. journalist like Taylor Lorenz. Come on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, I think when I, when I look at this Twitter files thing and I, the biggest thing that uh, comes out of it, not just with the Matt Taibbi thing, and, and kind of piggybacking off of uh, Noel's point, as well as as well as Breeze, is that you know people say, well, where's the balance? All of this seems to be you know one sided that uh, uh, that may push Elon's uh, supposed agenda or whatever. Um, my thing about it not being balanced on the other side is when stories when stories used to come out like this, these blockbuster stories. You know, somebody would uh, would would splash the story, and then all of the other media agencies and things like that would hunt around and try to find their own angle and things like that. You know, to see what what part of the scoop they could get and so forth. The problem is, is that the rest of the media now has been so co opted by corporations and embedded by all of these three letter agencies that instead of doing what Meet what we're used to media doing now that it's total silence. They are completely incurious to even try to pursue the story, to try to find their own angles, to try to ver to try to do their own verifications, to even ask what's going on, and that to me is more an indictment on them as as opposed to. Uh, uh, as opposed to an indictment on Matt Taibbi. You know, he's got his angle. And yes, we can argue about whether he should expand and on uh, on more about uh, digging up stuff on how people that like Bernie or the Greens have been suppressed or, you know, and so forth. That's fine. But all of these other media entities are out here and they're, they're not even trying to access this. Are they talking to people like Matt Taibbi to say, hey, let me join your team and see what we can do together. And this would be the angle that I would like to get on or whatever. No. What do they do? Like you said, they do the same talking points of, oh, he's just an Elon puppet or whatever. You know, he's just a PR uh, mouthpiece for Elon, blah, 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 blah. You know, just throwing smears and things like that. And it's like uh, the other gentleman said, even like with the main, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, that guy you know, has this blockbuster thing that says, hey, the U.S. was in on it with Norway or whatever. 
they, you know, planned all of this stuff and blew it up. And then again, for weeks, radio silence from the rest of the mainstream media. And then all of a sudden now we see some some stupid uh, article from the New York Times that says, oh, Ukraine allies did it. Are you serious? Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, pro, Pro-Ukrainian allies, they're saying now, did it. It's, no, it's laughable. There's no bigger Ukrainian ally than the United, the United States. States. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I think the problem ultimately the problem is and this is what um, this is what was actually exposed in 2016 um, with those WikiLeaks that came out around the election which is that the vast majority of the media is in cahoots with government officials that came out you know um not only went with them leaking those questions to Hillary Clinton and everything, um, but also they had that journalist group where they would get together and talk amongst themselves about what angles and stories that they were going to work on and all of that. And then also um, it was something else around that. But it was just, oh, they used to run, before they would p- print their stories, they used to email their stories to Leon Panetta to get his approval on it before they even went to print. Yeah. Forget about that type of stuff, you know? So of course, when I, and I really believe that when Donald Trump won the election in 2016, I believe that that was like a nine 11 to the Hillary camp. And, and there, it was their nine 11. I mean, and they were just like, never again, you know, right. And instead of learning the right lessons of, number one, maybe we need to just come to terms with the fact that nobody likes Hillary, which <laughs> she sucks. And the fact that we even had to go through all of this hooking and crooking to even get her uh, the nomination to begin with should have told us something to begin with. You know, that's number one. Did they learn that lesson? No. <laughs> Did they learn the lesson of maybe we shouldn't be doing all this sneaking and shucking and jiving? No. What they learned was, oh, you know, uh, free speech and knowledge is dangerous. So then they doubled down on the secrecy and then they doubled down on the suppression and they doubled down on the collusion with the alphabet agencies. And then, oh, let's bring in big tech on it as well. You know, and it's on and it's on both sides, too, because you also have schools that are removing books from school libraries right now. Like it's they really want to keep the American people dumbed down. And it's all bad. It's all, it's all bad. And I mean, and it's just a, it's just a sad state of affairs because I feel like this, this should be the story that unites left and right. Yes. that that, That crosses class lines. Because when you think about it, free speech, freedom of speech, the first amendment is the, I would say civil rights, um, you know, agenda that crosses all classes, all, all ages, all races, all, you know, I mean, no matter what you, where you stand, it affects everybody. And the fact that our government and and our media has been so good about, you know, as big of a story as this is about suppressing it just by ignoring it is a scary, scary thing to me. I mean, we're in a, 
we're in a, a weird place, I would say, as a nation um, right now. And I'm not sure what to think about where we go from here. Um, I am hoping and praying that, you know, as the, the drumbeat keeps going and that maybe it's just taking a while for the American people to wake up and just realize, wait a minute, this is not the road we want to go down. We don't want to be, you know, uh, just dumb and complacent and just going along, you know, no, let's rip the bandaid off and just see all the ugliness. But I'm not sure we're there yet. And I'm, I'm a little nervous about all of this right now, to be honest with you. And Robin, I don't think we're going, I think it's just going to crash and burn because to your point about free speech, the beauty of free speech was a free press. Any of us individually cannot get stories out. And when we think about American history and the big changes that happened, it was because the, the um, press was to a certain degree independent. But when they allowed corporate entities to buy up all the media outlets, that was the dissolution of the fourth estate. We have no helpers to help hold government offices accountable because as you say, they're submitting articles to the officials to get clearance and this and that. That is not what a free press is all about. And as individuals, we depend upon the free press to amplify the stories. I mean, when when Sabby talks about the 1960s, when the media starts showing the body bags coming back from Vietnam, that changed the game. But you not get that today because they're controlling all of the narrative. And so, you know, now that we have allowed the free press to be purchased and really be a wing of the corporate entities and the corporate entities are almost entirely funding the elections you know i think people just don't realize how bad it is and you have the people who've bought into the you know the um, partisan duopoly thing either they're so deep into fox news that they could never entertain anything else or they're so deep into cnn and msnbc that they won't hear anything else and the vast majority of the country that considers itself independent is not weighing in and saying we have a problem here and that's why i think this thing is you know i mean even looking to 2024 Joe Biden has disappointed so many people. If he runs against Trump again, they're going to push, oh, be afraid of Trump. But what happens and what may very well happen is so many people are disappointed and disaffected by Joe Biden's administration to even though they may, you know, vilify and, you know, make Trump or who's ever on the other side the scariest thing, people may still not come out in the numbers to vote to put somebody other than Trump or whoever else in. And I think we're just going to be in this downward spiral because what I see is over the last several elections from, like they say, Clinton to the Bush to Obama to this and that, the American people, as this wealth gap has been expanding, they have been pleading for somebody to see them to do something that benefits the masses. 
And we just keep getting one charlatan and con artist after the other. And just like CR said earlier, for some of the younger generations, they delved into the Obama hope and change and then they're disappointed. And here comes Bernie Sanders who betrayed the his own word and people are disappointed. Trump came and said he saw the common man. He did nothing for them really. And so it's just, we keep going in a downward spiral, down, down, down. And at some point, I think it's just going to collapse. I just want to add uh, something that I was just thinking about as well in reference to we all should have come together on this particular issue. Because here's the thing. Censorship affects all of us, not just people on the right or people on the left. And I think we all saw this after January 6th. Remember Trump was removed from Twitter. I remember seeing some leftists cheering and saying, yay, I'm glad he's gone. And then they came for people on the left. Right. Then they started to censor. I know Combo Couch got censored. Uh, actually, MCSC, that whole network got censored. People who had just become monetized were demonetized because just because they covered uh, January 6th. There were multiple accounts that were just being removed or being banned. And so that's what I'm saying. Like censorship is not something that's exclusive to one political party or the other. It's going to come for all of us, except for the people who are on the top and the people who own these networks. And I personally don't think that any type of media platform should be able to donate money to a politician. And I've seen this happen multiple times. Google, largest search engine in the world, Google should not be donating to politicians. Mm -hmm. Comcast shouldn't donate to politicians. Comcast donated to Joe Biden. Did you guys know that? Donated to Joe Biden's 2020. Okay, so Comcast. And who owns Comcast? You see BlackRock is a shareholder there. BlackRock's a share, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, they're all shareholders in these major media networks. So they control. But money is speech and corporations are people. So there you go. There goes the whole, you know, kitten caboodle. And you know, people should have been waking up with Edward Snowden. People should be waking up and in a total uproar about Julian Assange, especially the the media and the journalist community. They should have been the first to scream and screaming the loudest. But it's and that's why I say I think it's just going to keep eroding because more is being lost than we can really imagine in our day-to-day -day lives. I think it's really that serious. And by the time the people look up and realize we're in trouble, it's going to be like Chris Hedges always says, you never see it coming because the DK is on the inside and these societies really implode. It's not gonna be the enemy. I believe America could find itself in a pile of rubble from the internal decay quicker than we may see a third world war because it's just a shell. This really is a plantation. They're doing what they want to do to people. They're telling you what they want you to hear. And the only time they have a fight is when they're fighting with each other, but they're doing the same thing. So I think it's really worse than we, than the everyday person can really diagnose.
Yeah, and and I and just to add too again to the fact that this is this goes beyond the red blue game. I mean, even think about it from the COVID perspective and how you know Twitter was silencing. I mean, these world-renowned scientists and doctors and things like that, you know, who had a different stance on, well, who should really be vaccinated and, or, you know, should you be vaccinated or how many boosters or are boosters really effective? Are masks really effective and everything? And, or, you know, and, and then silencing the whole lab leak theory and saying that it was, oh, well, that's just, you know, uh, xenophobia and, and all of that other kind of stuff and turn to find, come to find out that all of these things that people, you know, that were different pieces of information, they were they were silencing these people, and then it was actually turning out to be true, or at least plausible. Um, and so again, um, it's just really, really scary that I mean, a lot. Not, now, what we saw today was a, a big red blue fight, but this goes so beyond red blue. Um, but a lot of it really does, it does come down to a fight of, of green and who has the green, which is the money. Um, because even with the COVID thing, basically all of that is about money too. You know, uh, was coming out now that, that Fauci and a lot of these people are getting royalties and stuff and kickbacks from all of these vaccines and everything that they've been, that they've been uh, uh, pushing and all of that other kind of stuff, you know, and, and it's just been a, uh, it's just been a real eye opener. And then they wonder why nobody trusts them. You know, it's like, are you serious? <laughs> I still, I still remember Fauci's involvement with the AIDS crisis. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and how quickly we forget, um, that he was no, uh, uh, fan or the, the, the LGBTQ community was no fan of L- Anthony Fauci in the eighties, you know, uh, back then. And yet somehow he seemed to be able to hang on and hang on and hang on until he became the most powerful or the, the, the most, uh, highly paid, uh, government official in the United States, even in above and beyond the president of the United States, you know? Um, and, and there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I have to say that I, I'm kind of leaning with Noel in terms of, um, that the, the decline of the United States will will most likely come more internally than it will come from, especially from Russia, China. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But if it does come from Russia or China, it will be because of our own doing, you know, of, of just meddling and meddling and meddling and not leaving other countries alone and, and, and focusing on what our issues are internally to where, yeah, it will collapse, in, you know, on the inside and then we'll look up one day and we'll be, you know, the, the world leader that was. And, you know, and, and to a certain extent, I'm okay with that. I am sick of us having our hands in everything all over creation. Can we just focus on what's going on at home? It's no different than if I had a household, you know, I'm all, uh, all across the street telling you how you need to uh, uh, how you need to raise your children and stuff. And meanwhile, I got to go down to the county to visit my kids in jail. Yep. All good points. All, All right. Points. I'm, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in Robin. Okay. Let's go to Eric. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Great. Hey, nice talking to you. Happy related birthday and many Thank more. You. For you. I wish you many, many more. 
Uh, I just want to say that, you know, I, I've been listening to everybody. Uh, we can even extrapolate, you know, some points from your last caller talking about Fauci and how did he get so far up the food chain? Because he's been playing to the to his, you know, basically to the powers that be. And those who play to the powers that be move up the food chain further and further up because they maintain the status quo within those organizations, whether you're working for the government or you're working for a large conglomerate corporation like Google. And that's how our culture within the U.S. moves across the board. So if we go back to Matt Taibbi, we don't have a lot of Matt Taibbi's out there. We have very few people of his caliber and he's not a leftist. He's a liberal Democrat. And he did take this on. And I, I think it's honorable that he took it on. But he did have self-interest because he has a job, you know, and he has to make a living. But even even so, you know, watching him from afar, I'm not necessarily a fan of him, but I've been watching him over the years. He comes across as a very reasonable person, which is all I can ask if I'm somebody on the left to be reasonable and he's more than reasonable he's been i think more than than anything he's been on our side albeit he's you know again a liberal and i think he's done a good job and he seems like a stand-up guy from what i could see you know i'm not close to the guy but from what i could see the ways the things that he talks about so i would not question him other than that he was doing a job and he had an opportunity for a big story and whether that's slanted towards an advantage to the to the right, yeah, it, it is. But but he was handed this, and I think he took that opportunity. And I did I, I do believe it's advantageous to us that he's bringing this to light, because what it's doing is is shining a light on the democratic falsehood of the party. They don't care about everyday folks. They don't care about us. They only care for their their own. You know, the people that actually fund them, and for their own party. The Debbie, you know, the, the the gal Debbie, you know, she seemed like so evil. And and Matt is such a nice guy that he keeps this everlasting smile. If you watch any of his interviews, the guy's constantly smiling and he's constantly being a nice guy. I could not hold up to that pressure, you know, having so many so many people interviewing him and sort of going after him. I would have pushed back at all of those people. And and you know, they can't send you to jail. I think all they could do is probably mute your microphone. But Matt was such a nice guy. He, he wasn't willing to go there with these people, right? And I actually see him as somebody who's actually doing a lot of good. And I wouldn't question, you know, I, I think some of the conversation here earlier today was sort of questioning, you know, maybe what he was doing to what advantage he was having for his own purpose. But he, again, he has a job, you know, Savvy. And I, I, again, I go back to the fact he's a reasonable guy from everything that I've seen and listened to him. But he's not perfect. And I, and I hate right. when we have these purity tests when none of us are standing or sitting in front of Congress. I, you know, when am I going to get to sit in front of Congress? So I, I don't like those purity tests. I think that Matt is a good guy. And I think overall he's doing a lot of good for the overall, you know, country, if you will. Yeah. Good points, Eric. I don't think it would go well for me if I sat in front of Congress. Like, again, like. <laughs> When I was listening to this this morning, I was like, oh, dear. And I know you guys have told me a couple of times that I have patience, but I don't think I have as much patience as as him, because I, I just the way that he was being spoken to, for one, bothered me. It was ridiculous to me to have a cutout of him and Joe Rogan 
Like that was ridiculous, Eric. I, I really thought to myself, <laughs> like, I can't believe they're bringing Joe Rogan into this conversation. But but you know what that means, Savvy? That means the Congress has given credence to Joe Rogan. That means that Joe Rogan is now part of, you know, our popular culture to the point where even Congress is calling upon his show to bring some light to something that they want to prove or not prove, right? Joe Rogan is that powerful. And in, in some ways, that's good and bad, I guess you could say. That, that's the way I looked at it. Yeah, this is a good point. And it's something to think about, too. I mean, it seems like people didn't seem to have that much of a or so much of a problem with Matt Taibbi when he worked for mainstream media, like he worked for Rolling Stone. But it yeah. seemed like once he went completely like independent and he branched out on his own, that's when it seems like people started to have a problem with him. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, of course. And, and you know, I also wanted to share something with you. You know, I part of what I do is I mostly work with guys in sort of like the construction field uh, or related fields to construction. And, you know, I hear all kinds of stuff every day and the world has changed. You know, there's a lot of what I call civility optics, you know, people trying to be civil and a lot of it is just BS. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, people don't give a shit. And so, you know, like today, this guy was up there and these guys were coming after him, the, the Democrats. And then the, the Republicans were doing their part uh, to, to shine, you know, light against the Democrats, not necessarily to help us, but just for themselves. So I, I wasn't surprised at all that these people are doing what they're doing. I would be surprised if somebody would have came on from the Democratic side or the Republican side and actually spoke up like Noel was saying to saying, why is this happening? What are the actual benefits of what Matt Taibbi is doing? And how come we have Julian Assange still in jail for something that he, Matt Taibbi essentially is doing the same thing? That's what would have made me say, damn. But everything that happened today and the way they behave is par for the course. It's just what these people do. And, and I'm, I'm almost like used to the fact that they're going to do this. And I'm, I'm not surprised. I don't feel any kind of way. I don't feel sad for these people at all. Uh, or, you know, they don't make me feel scared of them or any of that. This is just what the world has come to be, unfortunately. And there's not many people of virtue, certainly not within our government. Uh, you know, there's probably Kashama Sawan, and there may be a few others out there. But outside of that, there's nobody coming to save us. Uh, oh, and I also very much loved uh, Nick's speech uh, with, with Kashama Sawan. I thought he did a wonderful job. I, th I, I just wanted to bring that up as a different point. Uh, I thought, you know, I've been telling you for the past year and a half, almost two years, that RBN is so powerful and that once you guys get out there in front of people, Savvy, like Nick did this past two weekends ago, that that's going to bring so much more knowledge to the, to the audience that we want to reach from your message. And that's what I want to encourage, because that's where the power is going to come from, not from all this other stuff that's happening, because it just smokes and mirrors. It's nothing that's really going to be beneficial to us. And that's where the power lies. Speaking uh, truth to power, the likes of Nick, the likes of you, to more and more people so they actually understand what's going on. Thank you so much for that, Eric. Yes, I'll actually be at the Worker Strike Back launch this Saturday in Boston. So I'm going to that one. I'll be a little bit late because I actually have a debate like right before that. Unfortunately, you guys won't see that debate until June. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but, it's a part of a conference, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna be debating Norm uh, Finkelstein, and um, but we're but, gonna have this discussion. I w- I want to give the the chance for others to speak. I know I was waiting for so long, and I, I don't want to make them wait so long. But I that's to me that's the message. This is just par for the course, Savvy. No one's coming to save us. We are gonna have to do the work in any way that we can as a team. You know, whatever parts we need to play, that's what we need to do. Thank you so much for that, Eric. I'm going to pivot. We're going to go back toward the back and go to uh, Naji. I see a couple of new faces, so I'm going to try to highlight those as well. Naji, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. And I hope I said your name correctly. Sometimes calling uh, cuts off half of the name. Let me see. if. I... Let's see. Yeah, I just say, okay. Naji. It's Naji. It's Najee. Oh, sorry. Najee. Uh-oh, he disappeared. I don't know what happened. He might have tried to unmute. And then that happened. Let's go to uh, Jenny. It's another new face. What's going on, Jenny? Just have to unmute. Uh-oh. She disappeared too. Oh, she's back. Okay. Let's try it again. Just have to unmute. Thank you. I am a first-time caller. What's going on? Have you paid attention to any of this today? I did. I I probably spent a good two hours. And uh, I thought one of the most interesting commentaries came from Thomas Massey, who talked about the CDC and how they were monitoring members of Congress, all their tweets. Yeah, I couldn't play that part on YouTube. Sorry, guys. That was the part. That's why I stopped like right before that part. And I was like, yeah, we can't play this on YouTube. But go ahead, Jenny. (laughs) Well, I thought it was good because he really pointed out how when you censor a member of Congress, you censor their tweet and make it impossible for people to comment. It's not necessarily that it's so bad for the politician, but for his constituents who want to come onto Twitter and talk to him about whatever the issue is. That's, that deplatforms all of those people. And that's a really good point because when you think about how many people have been censored, and I'm one of them, my whole Twitter was pulled, um, you know, to be cut out of the conversation is horrifying. But to just be able to, to talk to people openly, that's why I'm here on Colin and Substack. These are the only two places where I can really talk about serious political issues and the COVID stuff. And so it's just... Um, great that we have these politicians these new people coming in bringing new blood and new thoughts i was really proud of the right side of the spectrum today i thought they really did a good job of being fair i don't necessarily think they were you know enabling matt and michael at all i felt like they were just asking them solid questions and that um the left truly embarrassed itself I thought it was embarrassing too, to be honest with you, especially when there were those call out moments when uh, some of the Republican politicians would make comments that like, I thought the Democratic Party was supposed to be pro-free speech. Exactly. It's important to, to know that these, the Democrats are not left. They're not left. They're not the left. <laughs> Let's be clear about that these days. Well, they embarrassed themselves. And I thought Debbie Wasserman Schultz, was just being Debbie, but she's so rude. 
And for anybody who's just a fair-minded person to look at the way she was sniping at him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I laughed. I laughed out loud when the crowd chuckled and, you know, she interrupted Matt, not going to let him talk. It's my time. It's like, why do you invite people to come and testify if you're not even going to listen to what they have to say? So I enjoyed just the spectacle of it. I love politics just for the pure theater. But uh, they were I do... they were definitely nicer towards Mark Zuckerberg when he appeared before Congress, I think. Yeah. Well, it is interesting times. And I'm so grateful that Elon bought Twitter. I just feel like none of this would have come out. And and I don't even think that he understood how bad it was. I've heard it said that Elon did not buy a company, he bought a crime scene. And I really think we're seeing a lot of criminal behavior and I'm glad that it's just out in the open. I do think the day will come sooner than later when he'll just open source all of the files say here, have at it. And then anybody who wants to can go in and find out for themselves. But I do appreciate the job that the journalists are doing with their files and kind of sending it out piecemeal. I would get overwhelmed, you know, if they hadn't done it this way. And I was just like, what am I looking for? You know, to have them just kind of carefully go through a bit at a time and here's another drop and here's another drop. I've appreciated the way they've rolled it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they do. Well, I'm glad that he has a team now because I think that was a lot for him by himself at first. But I'm glad that he's hired other people to help him go through this information. Um, I don't know who all those people are, but I, I think it's good that he's he's done that. And I'll also say, too, I just think that. I think this was a really uh, a mask off moment for the Democratic Party. I, I really do. Like, I think people who did watch this today were probably just like, wow, like, what happened to this party? Yeah. There were a couple of, and you hate to point out aged older people, but when that woman was like, I don't even know what a Substack is. And she was asking all these questions about Twitter. And it was like, do you even understand how Twitter works? You know, wondering if it's one of her staff who has her tweets going out. You know, it's like, if you're not willing to do the homework about what the real issues are, so that you can talk authoritatively, you know, you could pass the mic and say, here, I'm going to give my time to somebody who I think understands this better. It was embarrassing. It was very embarrassing, but I, I didn't feel like they did their homework, Jenny. Like, I can't remember the woman's name, but the congresswoman who said, Substack, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's some kind of website or something. I was like, what? Yeah, You didn't what do I'm, any research? That's what I'm talking about. It's like, she doesn't understand what, how the, you know, like Matt getting new subscribers on Substack is great. That's a good thing. That means people are with him and they want to support him. And she and others were trying to turn it into some sort of a crime for a journalist to actually make some money. And it's like, you know, is this really the conversation we're having? This is like, shoot the messenger to the max. Journalists deserve every penny that they earn. And we should not question that at all. And it was really interesting, too, when she made the comment like, well, Basically, she was trying to say that he just wanted attention. I'm like, do you not realize that people already know who the, who he is? <laughs> Apparently not. Somebody said so-called journalist. I, I laughed out loud. I'm like, he wrote for the Rolling Stone for what, like 10 years or something like, you know, and so much street cred as just a straight 
shooter. You know, he is one of the most thoughtful people I've ever read. And he is wicked funny. You know, it's the humor, I think, that make people just love Matt. And you could just tell he had that little smirk on his face, you know, it's like trying not to laugh at certain points. I wouldn't have gotten mad. I would have just busted out laughing if they were grilling me like that. I think so, too. I, I just it was really hilarious to me. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, they didn't look up any of this information. Um also, too, they don't seem to be the best, the most tech savvy people. I noticed this as well. Like when Zuckerberg was interviewed, they did similar thing where they were just like, why are you charging people for ads on your site? And he's like, we don't. And he's like, then why are they there? And he's like, because advertisers pay Facebook to show their ads on Facebook. I still remember that. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, it's so funny. And, you know. I I think Elon is doing some righteous work. And, you know, you made a point just now where you talked about how um, Matt's getting this all this stuff from people on in the Democrat side. But, you know, President Trump was almost universally beloved before he ran for president. There were yep. people on both sides who really respected him. And he was just kind of part of the culture and the zeitgeist. And then he decides to run and he becomes evil incarnate. And Elon's going through the same thing. You know, everybody kind of liked Elon. He's fun. He's rich, you know, whatever. He buys Twitter and comes out, you know, kind of vehemently against the Uniparty and the deep state and all the intel agencies having so much control over social media. And now he is officially, in some people's eyes, the devil incarnate. And I just don't think we should allow them to get away with that. You know, people don't change. They're still the same people they are. Why do you have to demonize? This is a side of politics that I really think needs to be addressed. Well, what was interesting to me is when people were, you know, mad at Elon after he bought Twitter and they said, how dare you? Elon Musk just bought Twitter. He's evil. He's a rich man. I'm like, he was a rich man before. Right. <laughs> Exactly. No. And I, I, like I said, I think because he did and the way it's all gone down, uh, we're seeing things that we were never meant to see. And it's, I, sunshine is the best disinfectant. I say, let, let the sun shine in and we'll all be a healthy, we'll be a healthier, healthier Republic because of it. I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for calling in. Thank you, Sappy. It was joyful. All right, let's move on to Gator. What's going on? Hey, Sabi, how you doing? <clears throat> Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, again, I'm very grateful to you. You you give everybody on your show a really good uh, inning, and uh, I think that's to be commended. Um, on on this, look, I, I I would throw in that I I, I seriously question the utility of people devoting most of the time that they talk about the Twitter files to this method minutiae of the journalists involved, because that is a form of, of gaslighting that's being used by the, by the people who are resistant to the threat of the Twitter that the Twitter files presents to them. And so to do it for too long to yourself is gaslighting yourself, right? Because there's actually the things in Twitter files that should be talked about far ahead of the the way in which these things which are 100 percent true have been released to the world right even if there are 
filtration problems or slightly partisan amounts of um, results of the fact that we haven't seen 100% of everything yet, but give it time and give it, um, you know, more resource journalistically, more stuff's coming out. We haven't seen everything that they've got on COVID. We haven't seen everything they've got on Assange, blah, 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 right? So it just needs to be a bit of patience. So what I wanted to throw out were two things. The whole game here is about perception management and about truth and how much truth anyone in society wants and where that boundary of the discomfort of truth starts to land for anyone, right? If you go back to MKUltra under the CIA, no one knew that was happening. When there were, when there were sneaking suspicions that it did, what happened? Total denial. We, of course, we wouldn't drug our own people or release bacteria throughout all of LA and do all of the crazy stuff. And it was really crazy that uh, they did an LK Ultra. Then you get to the Church Commission and you find out that the CIA is a totally rogue organization with capabilities and agendas that most of the American public couldn't comprehend, right? But what happened as a result of the Church Commission? Nothing, right? Literally nothing. The CIA theatrically had to sort of eat a bit of humble pie and everybody then knew the CIA is one of the ultimate threats in the world. And that was actually a really good selling point for the CIA, right? Now, fast forward, the uh, Warren Commission rigged, um, and it's again a perception management tool, which changes the perception of people around JFK. And it's had an effect, a long lasting effect, right? Now go forward to Snowden, and you're just, Snowden is interesting because there was, I don't know if anybody in the audience remembers a system called Echelon. This was rubbished. What it was, was it was the inbound, outbound voice monitoring of every single phone call that crossed the US border. People didn't want to believe that that was happening. And it was even before the times of sophisticated uh, voice analysis. So you were using loads of um, real time, uh, sorry, real people actually doing the, the, the transcribing, right? Huge resource. And it was also had some capabilities, remote capabilities, that it could red flag detections of certain words like bomb, right? Now, of course, people didn't believe that. Snowden, Binney, uh, Thomas Drake eventually come forward. Finally, Snowden brings the docs and proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that everyone's perception about what the internet is, what their government does, to whom and how is wrong. But probably loads of people do not want to believe full stop that their government doesn't give a fuck about them doesn't exist to serve the citizen, it exists to serve itself and enrich its true masters, which are the corporatocracy and the other stratas of power above governments. And that's where the boundary of truth becomes very uncomfortable for people, right? Because what it means is, and the Twitter files proves this even more, that what you think is your own free perception and you're free to run around on Twitter saying what you like and reacting how you want to, to real people who <coughs> you choose to follow is bullshit. And you don't know how much bullshit is involved in manipulating the perception that you walk off from that Twitter session with. And when people are now showing to us, you don't even really understand or comprehend how deep the rabbit hole goes, how complex this system is, how fucked you all are as individuals, because you're not really in control of your own perception. And COVID is the perfect example of this, because 
COVID has taken um, all of the provable, hardcore scientific documentation on every aspect of COVID that existed even before the pandemic, and it's hidden it all, gaslighted people, blindsided them and lied to them through things like Twitter and Facebook. And now, three years later, all the people who knew what was going on because they read the primary science and they didn't use social media to get their news, quote unquote, are now being proven to be right about not taking the jab, what the deleterious effects are, what the real threat from the virus was, where did the real virus come from? But there are millions, half the globe is now labelled permanently and irreversibly by having decided to go for a shot. And they are the people who can't deny that their perception was directly um, manipulated in, in many ways by these kinds of systems. That's not a good place for, for human brains to be. Right? If you're going, shit, I really regret doing this. Why did I do it? Oh, because I read about it on Twitter from the CDC's endless feed of lies that I thought was true, et cetera, et cetera. And that is an incredibly uncomfortable thing. And I think that that is partly a, a block for the average citizen to truly pay attention to the revelations that Matt Taibbi has just come out with, which starts to really lay out the true scope of the GEC, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the DHS, and how they all fully integrate. They push through these perception systems that we call social media, and they are literally fucking directly with your brain. And, and, and we don't, do we want to look at that? Or do we want to go back to bed? A lot of people want to go back to bed. And that's the biggest mistake you'll ever make. You want to see truth. You want to stare at the hole. You want to look in the abyss. You want to swim in it as long as you took a rope in so that you can drag yourself out. That's, that's the first thing. I, and the second thing, um, but I'm, I want to sort of, you know, I'm happy to either bugger off if you're bored or take some pushback. The other thing I wanted to just put out, and it's much quicker, is about a way of looking at what Elon Musk is actually doing with Twitter from a from a long range business perspective, which nobody has flagged yet, and I think is worth thinking about. Okay, let me uh, comment really quick to the to the first part. I think you bring up an interesting point when you mention you know what our brains are really taking in from from Twitter or social media in general. I mean, I've mentioned this a couple of times that uh, I think it's still strange that people I follow on Twitter are less likely to appear in my newsfeed or my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Newsfeed, I'm talking about Facebook now, but same thing. People that I follow on Twitter, they are less likely to appear in my Twitter feed. But people that I don't even follow appear in my Twitter feed. Mm. So it's like, it's gotten to the point now where like people that I do follow, I have to like, I have to click onto like their Twitter page yeah, to see what they're saying because they don't appear in my newsfeed. So that being said, the information that you're getting or the information that's shown on your feed, it's what Twitter is allowing you to see. Correct. And that's the same thing for Facebook as well, to be honest with you. It's what they're allowing you to see. Now, we've had two social media sites admit that both of them were told to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story. Mm -hmm. 
And just what we've seen from the Twitter files so far, I mean, this is just the beginning. Like, who knows what else is going to come out? So the point is, is like, this is why I don't like when people say, well, I need to have Twitter so I can search news stories. But again, that's that's only the news stories that they're allowing you to see. Yep. There are certain things they're not allowing you to see. Matt Taibbi said so himself that the World Socialist website was shadow banned on Twitter. So there's things that they talk about on that site that other media networks are not talking about at all. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really important for people to understand is like, again, they are they're still controlling what we see. Now, the Twitter files is more revealing. And yes, these were things that happened before Elon Musk bought the company. But I don't buy Jack. Uh, I think his last name Dorsey. Yeah. I don't I don't buy Jack Dorsey's statement that he didn't realize this was going on. I call bullshit. Me too. He's lied to Congress. Exactly. Like, how do you not know what was going on and you own the company and Elon Musk owns the company and he's seeing what's going on. So how did you not know? So I, I, I don't buy that at all. But, you know, you know, Sabi, as well, one other thing on that is that it's not acceptable for a CEO to abrogate themselves of responsibility by, to Gaddy, Roth and these other arseholes um, and, and claim that it's just because he didn't know everything. It wasn't his responsibility. He's CEO. It is his responsibility. If he chooses to not look at the code, doesn't mean to say that he gets off scot-free. Well, see, I would say no, because it's still his company. You're still responsible for your company. I agree. I agree. On a net basis, he's responsible whether he understands fully or knows everything or not. Yeah. So it's something that I think we all need to seriously think about, you know, I mean, I'm glad that this information was released. And I think most of us listening on this call, we had our suspicions back in the day. Anyway, we had our our suspicions that, yeah, I think I think social media is doing some suppression here. Like we had our feelings about that. So it's been Facebook. It's been Twitter. And now YouTube is going to be the big. If, if they announce they're doing like YouTube files, that one's going to be huge. Mark my words. That one's going to be more, more large. I would say it will be bigger than the Twitter files. How much you want to bet? Mm, well, you see, what, what you might want to think about is it's not the thing to talk about is not the platform, not, not Twitter, not Facebook or YouTube. And YouTube is actually just Google anyway. Um, which means that the YouTube files are radically bigger in, in true scope than, than any of the other platforms, right? Because it's Google. But um, it's actually what we should be looking at is the CIA, the NSA, the DHS, and all of the agencies. And that's Matt Taibbi's point. Social media is only the point at which those powers are coming out into your head. If it wasn't Twitter, they would have met, they would have created something else. They are creating other things right now, right? And uh, there are other, I mean, Nina Yankovic, the uh, crazy former disinformation czar who lasted five minutes because she was literally a provable sociopath, is being subpoenaed by Jim Jordan because she is refusing voluntary requests to turn up in front of these people. So they've had to, uh, had, they've had to, they're having to drag her there, right? That's the real value of all of this, not just the platform. The platform's the last bit and the last, the last stage of delivery, if you see what I mean. That's a good point. 
That is a good point. But the um is go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Noel. Like I continue to say, this is really just a virtual plantation, and it is all about the controlling of the narrative, and yep. that. The people in this society who have descended from slavery and been on the tail end of all of the control, all of the undermining, all of the false narratives since the time that our people have been here, we see it more clearly. We've been the species that they have experimented on. And we, when we are suspicious about things like COVID because we have things like the Tuskegee experiment in our history. Mm. People want to she-she and poo-poo you, but when you're at the bottom in this society, you see it clearly. We see that the the government favors the elite and the rich and they, they you know, form the tax code to benefit them while we suffer. We scream about $100 billion going to Ukraine but you're telling us we can't have universal health care. It really is a plantation. And the control of the narrative is what these people in Congress are fighting about. Because as you say, we've had Edward Snowden. I mean, we could go back. We've had Watergate. We've had Snowden. We've had yeah. Julian Assange. We've had all of these things which keeps telling us over and over the government and the agencies thereof are not performing in accordance to what you think they are. Yes. And they're all just fighting over the control of the narrative. Because again, I say, with all that has been released, nobody is talking about, you know, um, monitoring and controlling these, uh, regulating these um, social media platforms so that they can protect and preserve free speech. No one is saying, oh, we have a problem because the corporate community owns all the means and methods of speech. There is no free speech, and that has been gone for a long time. Yeah. They're fighting to make sure that they can control those entities. But they're not saying, the people in Congress are not saying, oh, we have a problem. We need to revamp these agencies. We need to you know, make sure that we're performing in accordance to what the objectives are. They just want to make sure that when they pull the strings, that the things happen that they want to happen. Like mm. I say, we just have come through a situation where the people at Fox News, we get the, the um, emails and now they're we come to find out that they were saying in their emails that, oh, they didn't trust Trump. Oh, this from and that and blah, blah, blah. From the very beginning. But from the get go. But um, McCarthy turns over all of the, the um, footage from January 6th to Fox News. It's, it's, so I'm it's, saying it's just a matter of them wanting to control the narrative to their benefit. Yeah. OK. Now, is there. And a beautiful irony to the fact that what we are living in right now, right now, and have been living in for the last 25 years is literally McCarthyism 2.0. And the irony being that the newest speaker of the house, who's actually partially involved in undermining it, is, in, is, is called McCarthy. We shouldn't forget that. Our general, my generation is too young to remember McCarthy unless you learn about it, right? But this is the same thing. History Life is moves often in very stranger than fiction. Yeah. So one thing I'll throw out with Elon Musk is this. 
Okay, um, it's about business and about motivation, right? Because people obviously, I am suspicious of, of, of uh, Musk because he is a defense intelligence contract, security contractor. He is the US space program, which gives him societal leverage. He is Tesla, which basically is peddling the product that Agenda 2030 and everybody on that bandwagon wants to peddle, right? So he has sociological impact. He was, he was intelligence, he was enabling internet signals to run the Ukraine war on until he supposedly turned that off because he, he, he for, for on moral grounds of, hey, I shouldn't be driving this war. Now, I hope that's true because I back that decision. But I'm suspicious of Musk because of his role and his wealth. And um, so I watch very carefully expecting a move. And fortunately, at the moment, I'm satisfied that he's doing reasonable things um, so far. But I'm sceptical. So it's not like I'm a fanboy. I'm not. Now, Given that he's bought it, if we just assume for a second that he does give a shit about free speech and for some reason he has decided or got in a bit too deep with with his Twitter sale, had to go through with it. How do you deal with that? 20 billion he's funded, 24's come from external backers, right? And he knows, and we all know, um, Twitter is not worth $44 billion. It's just not. The revenue model doesn't work that well. And he's now... Obviously, you know, he said when he got in, when he looked at the books, he said he had about a year to get to break even. Otherwise, literally, it was going under. That means that the revenue model's broken for many years before. Yeah, that. it was. Jack Dorsey did admit to that. Yeah. So think about it from his perspective. A social media site typically has one product. It's the external information product. That's you, the user, and all of your content and all of your interaction. And that's what they sell to it to to advertisers and to other users in some way, right? That's the traditional product. Musk has come at this with a different view. He's recognized that there's the external product, he has to take care of that and he has to make external changes and functionality and stuff. And also free speech is part of what he thinks is improving the draw to get users and change the experience in the way that he wants, right? But there's an internal product that nobody's recognized as such. The internal product is everything, every managerial communication and piece of data about how the, how the, how the system was run. And that's what he's selling now through the Twitter files. Is he selling it for cash? No. He's selling it to change perception over a medium and a long-term basis. So he has gone and said, fuck it. I'm not responsible for anything in here. So I can't be done for any bad shit in here. But if I open it up, make it accessible for free or what I get back, the kickback I get is that I re-engineer the perception of what Twitter was compared to what it will be under me. And over the medium term, you will get a load of people who were adverse to Twitter because they'd left it or been kicked off. They come back. Then you get people who are drawn to it in the future because they go, actually, that, that, that guy's in on net basis done the right thing. That's the better of the platforms. That's the better of the social media platforms. That's better than Facebook because Facebook hasn't been re-engineered, right? And they all start to eventually come back. At the moment, we're just in a business lull where these partisan advertisers have abandoned stuff, a bit like what happened to Joe Rogan. Neil Young fucked off and took his book with him. So what? Right? A few people left. They'll come back. And also, the user base of Twitter is only 400 million, 330 to 400. That's low. The Facebook um, user base is 2.9 billion. Really? So it's got a load. 
That that many people still use Facebook? Say again? That many people still use Facebook? Yeah, 2.9 billion. But I mean, that doesn't take into account bots. So, I mean, I would estimate, you know, you take 35% off those numbers, right? But so, so basically what Musk has done is sold this internal product that otherwise he didn't have, he couldn't use that, could he? Right. But he is now using it to change perception. And also from a technical perspective, anybody who's done any research, even light reading into what Twitter is, knows that it's a dog shit system inside. They didn't even have a separate, a separate test and development system. They did all their work and changes on the live system that everybody's using in real time all the time. If anybody's worked in tech, you never do that if you're a professional at all. It's a complete joke, right? Which tells you that the people inside Twitter are nowhere near as competent as you think they are. And this is a really big thing that's now being shown, not only of the Twitter internal managers, but also of the entire bunch of people who were on the Dems side today and all of the people in the agencies, they're all one big group, right? Anyone who was actively doing this stuff through Twitter is one big group, whether they're Republican, Democrat, or any particular agency. But they're not as competent as people think because they've written down stuff on emails, they've left massive trails of evidence that they are all corrupt and bending the law and doing these nasty things. They've done stuff that's stupidly ham-fisted, like erase these 40,000 people because they're all uh, Indian, um, sympathizers and they're going, I'm not Indian. I live in Ohio and I don't even speak the language and I don't know what you're talking about. You know, this kind of incompetence. And this is now all out on public display. And, and it, Musk is, is showing the world all of this. Okay. And in a few years time, people will realize that, um, no matter what else Twitter becomes, this has been a necessary holding up of the mirror to society and there is a there is a perception um value not cash value but a perception value for the the reality under which we live and i think that that's what he's selling in a way and there's very very finally um what you saw today in the twitter congressional hearing is another example of the modus operandi pattern of the fascist system and the runners, the people, the fascists who run our system. They deny twice, they obfuscate gaslight, then, and, and, and they, then they spin an alternative narrative and they use, they go for ad hominem attacks and discrediting of the messenger first in every, t- every move. That's happening in, in any event in Ukraine, that's happening in any event under the Twitter files. It happened to Edward Snowden, da, 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 da. So all you need to know is that that pattern that you saw today happening to Matt Taibbi and Schellenberger, when that, ha- when that pattern occurs anywhere in our world, those are people who are guilty. And that's, that's, that's basically what the giveaway is. And they keep giving themselves away because they keep using this pattern and the lies the Nord Stream lies have followed this exact pattern and they have followed um, the exact level of ridiculousness. And that's all you need to know. And it shows, it, we see this every day now. Sorry. Interesting. That's the value. Gator, Cheers. Thank, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to wrap up in 30 minutes. So I want to make sure I get to some of the other speakers, but definitely something for us to think about here. Let's go ahead and bring in. BD Baba B, you are on the mic. Go ahead and unmute. Hey, how you doing? 
Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm just glad I finally could talk to you for a change. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, you know, it's hard to add a lot. You guys have been going on and on and on and on, and I agree with everything. And I, in, I, I think, who is it Noelle? I think I'm in love with Noelle because she, her, her ideas are fantastic. I mean, it's just basically bottom line. The, the bottom line is that, you know, not to offend anyone, but people who think that there's some action in this false two-party paradigm that's going to actually, like, we're going to get some realness from either side is, is barking up the wrong tree. It's not going to happen. We already know that, right? I mean, and, and it's, it's interesting because, like, someone said something about how, how calm and good the right looked. Well, yeah, it's always, you always look calm and good when you're in the right side of something. Right. Mm. They're on the right, right. And they're on the right side of this. Right. And sometimes the Dems will be on the right side of something and it, it makes them look good and the Republicans look bad. But again, they're both on the same team. They're both pushing for war. They're both throwing all their money into Ukraine. I mean, all this stuff that's going on is just kind of psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, you, you know, uh, we have to ask, like, you know, for me, like, yeah, is there something probably in this for Elon Musk? Probably. I mean, oh, like he of, of course. And and in yeah. in nothing against nothing sorry to cut you off. Nothing against I, I want to get out of here fast because you've been going on for I think we're on here for like what I've been waiting almost three hours, so it's gotta be crazy for you guys. Anyway, um, you know, there is the one person that was going on about, you know, people loved Trump and people loved Elon. Well, I think discerning people already realized that both of them were not they're not they're not our friend you know they're not your friend you know it, it, trump's not your friend elon's not our friend they all have their agenda you know elon's putting all his you know and the whole thing with elon and you know oh he hates bill gates and bill gates is evil so elon is good bill gates and elon are both investing in that um what's that uh thing that's coming up the the womb factory to yep. create yeah babies so what the hell? You know, he's the one who's putting the 5G all over the earth so we could be put into this technocratic grid state that's going to happen. He's the one who's who's putting brains, killing all the monkeys, putting brain chips in for us for the future. How is he on our side of anything? And then Elon Musk, uh, not Elon Musk, excuse me, uh, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is also the one buying up all the farmland. All the farmland. And, and not only that, he bought up a ton of farmland from... You know, he's all, oh, I'm, I'm conserving and blah, blah, blah. And I'm here for the people. And he bought all the farmland from all the indigenous people. I think it was in Washington. Yes. They just yeah. screwed them over. You know, yes. it's, it's this great. One of, white the one of the townspeople came onto my show a while back and told me that he was stealing water from her town. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's terrible. And of course, you know, not to get myself arrested, but come on, we all know what his, you know, inner workings are when he's hanging out with Epstein, right? So we're dealing with that kind of person. And, you know, is, you know, how do you trust anyone? Who's he was also really invested in the vaccines. Oh, of course, of course. And the, and, and the, the, the whole, yeah. And then of course he sold out and then it's like, oh yeah, they really didn't work up to our standards that I thought they did. You know, it's, it, it's just disgusting, but you know, so I'm just going to throw out a couple quick points. So, um, yeah, I think like I think Noel's right. It's a distraction show, you know. And Eric said it too. It's it's a uniparty. It's a distraction show. All this stuff. It, it's kind of I equate it to Rand Paul when he's going after Fauci, and 
and if you notice, I, I, I saw this at one point, if you notice, every time he goes after Fauci, he gets a ton of people investing in his campaign. Mm. But nothing happens. And then he'll come back and go after Fauci again. And then nothing happens. There's no teeth. There's no bite. There's nothing. Now, maybe something will eventually happen to Fauci if the, if, if the powers that ought not be decide he's, you know, uh, not worth it anymore to protect. But I'm not holding my breath. You know what I mean? So I just think that it's all a distraction. It's like, hey, you know, don't look over at, in, at Ohio, all these people getting poisoned with dioxin. You know, oh, look, there's a balloon. It's China. You know, I mean, it, that's exactly what this is. It's like kind of a shit show, distraction show to keep you from seeing about Ukraine, keeping your mind off of the whole COVID garbage that went on, keeping your mind off of the Ohio disaster. Yes, yes. That's right? another one. Um, I'll, I'll be covering that. I'm going to try to cover that tomorrow on RBM because there was another hearing that happened today, and that was with Norfolk Southern uh, Railway. Uh, Railway. Okay. So. I didn't even hear that. But I mean, you know, it's like, again, Norfolk Southern. Who owns Norfolk, Norfolk Southern? Oh, BlackRock and all of those people. Gee yep. whiz, who could have guessed? You know, I mean, the whole thing is is kind of a shit show. Um, so I, I just don't think I, I like um, uh, Derek Bros's method. I don't know if you're familiar with Derek Bros, um, uh, another independent media type. Actually, he's going to. If you're in Texas, vote for Derek Bros. He's going to be running for mayor or something in Houston, I think. Oh, wow. um, yeah, but I think more so, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it'd be great if he wins, but more so it will kind of get him on the stage so he can start really asking some, you know, some of the questions that all the people on here are asking, right? And try and get some people to actually, you know, speak about all the things that are going on so they can't hide it. Um, but, you know, and, and again, the other thing I remember I was going to say, oh, and then the other thing that I was going to say is with the Twitter files real fast is I love that it came out. Of course, we all knew it was going to come out and we, we all knew it was there and just didn't have proof. But even that um, you're familiar with Ryan Christensen of the last American Vagabond. Yes. Um, okay. I want so, them on rock because yep. something happened with their YouTube. I. You, yeah, he's, you know, he has a pirate stream thing and his YouTube, he's gotten kicked off of every place, more places, I think, than anyone else in the universe probably has been kicked off of everything. And he was put back onto Twitter. Yeah, you got kicked off too. That was the adoption thing. And that's another thing I want to talk to you about, Savvy. But um, yeah, he, he, he got kicked off of everything and I, he did get back onto Twitter, but even he's saying a lot of people are not back on Twitter and it's not just, you know, right or left. You know, it's it's independent media people that were putting out stuff there. They're still gone. Some still have gotten kicked off. Just like you saying, there's still the shadow banning going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's Sabi. I, I put up a, a, a comment on YouTube about the whole adoption industrial complex and I put it on. It was very, very tame. I didn't even say anything. I didn't mention any company names. I didn't mention anything totally terrible. And I got no hits on it. I got no hits on it. And mm -hmm. um, I what the heck's going on? So I, I asked my girlfriend to look and see if she could see the comment. And, and, it, and I asked another friend of mine who lost her grandchildren to, um, the to the adoption industry through CPS and still is fighting to try and get them back. And eight years. They, yeah, they, 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 none, they couldn't see it. So then I went to another account. I couldn't see it. I put it up again. Within seconds, it was gone. So shadow banning is not something that's like, you know, it's a real deal. 
and it's happening. And it it's interesting because that was about adoption, which was pretty tame compared to putting anything about COVID or something about that. So well, I, I thought- want people I want people to understand too, if you don't already have a large account on Twitter, you're not gonna get many hits unless you're only talking about topics that are trending on Twitter at that time. And even then you're not gonna get as many hits as you should. Right. Right. Also, if you don't have a blue check, you're not going to get as many hits. And what is, you know, you, what do you pay for the blue checks? Is that right? You ha- yeah, you have to pay for it now. Like there used to be the option of you can get a legacy like blue check, which means you're a notable source. But I've talked to people who had applied for that and they were turned down. And these were people who were journalists wow. and they were not able to get a Twitter made it a lot harder as time went on for people to get those blue checks. So the idea that you have to pay for Twitter blue just to even get your message across because they're promoting legacy accounts and they're promoting uh, Twitter blue subscriptions. So if you don't have that, then you're not going to reach as many people. But I'm like, whatever, fuck it. I don't want another bill. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm just like whatever. <laughs> no, it, it, the the whole thing is the whole thing is 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 ridiculous. And and again, you know, it's it's you get to say what you want to say, and they'll let it go to the people, or they won't, and they have control. And you don't. In a lot of people, you know, when I when I talk to people about shadow banning, they thought I was crazy. Like, oh no, that doesn't. What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, this is an actual thing. This happened to me, right? It's like with you know, it, it's kind of. It, it's interesting how people's minds work because I have friends who are very Trumpy or very right. I have friends who are very left and it, it, and I'm, I'm an anarchist. I, I'm an equal opportunity hater, but um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because the excuses that they will make to wrap their head around the narrative that they believe in, even though the proof is right in front of them, it's kind of like, this January 6th thing, you know, they, you see the video of the guy that they said was supposedly murdered with a fire hydrant or whatever it was walking around after he was supposed to be murdered, telling people to come into the, in telling people to come in, you know, it's like, that's on video, you know, it's there and that's their video. It's not some doctored thing. Now, you know, I'm not a Tucker fan, obviously, but you know, it, it doesn't matter who's putting out the information if the information is true. And that's what scares me is with with this, how the Dems are so, you know, like they were attacking Matt like he was a criminal in a court yes. case. Right? Yes. And that's they treated not, him like he was guilty. He was guilty in a court case. You're not a freaking lawyer. And maybe you were, you know, I don't know. And that's probably why they all suck. Sorry. No, but, but you know, it's like, See, here's the issue, though. It does matter how information is being released because you have facts that are true. But if you're only getting a portion, if you're only getting to see what people want you to see, that is the problem. And that's why, like you say, you have friends on either side who contort themselves to do a confirmation bias and force the, the scenario to fit what they believe. And oh, yeah. that's the thing. It's not just that is true, but we need the whole truth because the whole truth will expose the whole thing and people will begin to wake up. Right. So and they're no, just giving you peace.
Exactly. And no, this is the interesting thing. This is one of the things that uh, Ryan Christians says, you know, and I, I love that dude, but he's like, look, he, you know, I think he knows Matt Taibbi. He's like, I know him. He's a great guy. All of this is great. All of this release of information is great. Yet there is like when, when the last American Vagabond puts out a, a piece, he puts out all the corroborating links. So you can do, it's like James Corbett. You can go on his site you, and he tells you, don't trust me. I'm just another freaking talking head on the internet. Go do your own due diligence. Look through all the supporting documentation and make up your own freaking mind, right? Well, with the Twitter files, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I know this is probably true information, but like you're saying, it's only part of it. And there's no corroborating evidence. The, they show like a, a picture of a tweet. That is not corroborating evidence. Show where you're getting this information, how the information is, because we're all being dumbed down to accept experts say, doctors say, scientists say, right? <laughs> they kill and me with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, just, it's just like, come on, guys, come on. But anyway, I, I totally agree with you. We're, we're kind of preaching to the choir and going around. And, and that's the thing, too. That's one of the things I like about Derek Bros. And he was just saying, you know, it's, it's easy to speak in an echo chamber. You know, most people who listen to you probably have a similar bent right and it's and we're preaching to each other about yeah 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 which is good because it wakes some people up someone will get on a new person will get on and they'll finally realize and i think the the bigger thing is uh like derek's doing with his um freedom cells and these conscious groups where people are are kind of opting out of the system by creating groups that are working together and trading with each other and growing their own food and, you know, n not necessarily, Hey, you know, if you stay in their system and vote harder each year, like Jimmy Dore says, what are you going to get? You know, you're That's not going right? You're not going to get any change. So I'm going to let that go, but Sabby, and I'll let you go right here. I do want to talk to you. If you ever get a chance, I don't mean to, to change the subject or anything, I've been trying to help these people, these women um, and babies that are getting screwed by the adoption industrial complex. I don't know if you know, it's a, yes, 20, it's yes. a $20 billion a year business, $20 billion a year. Babies and cash should never be in the same sentence. And when my girlfriend actually got sued by one of these fucking companies, they stole her baby when she was just a teenager and didn't know what was going on. And they do all this. It's just... They groom them. They, it's, it's exactly like, you know, um, uh, trafficking and all that. They groom them. They, they coerce them. They lie to them. They obfuscate. They don't tell them all the information. They don't let them know that there's these, these women and girls, that there are options out there to keep their family together. And instead, they say, oh, the only way is adoption. And usually, no offense to anyone out there, it's usually some type of evangelical company, the great white saviors coming in to save the day. Because they have the money, the, to, the infertile couples have the money to buy these children. It's straight up trafficking, full stop. If you're paying money for children, it's trafficking, right? Now, so I do want to talk to you about that. And I have a ton of information. I think I could get you a great story and a great investigation into it. Um, there is a, a case right now that um, the woman that put on the first adoption trafficking symposium, which we went to, I was, I was hoping. I was, yeah, she's an adoptee. I was, I wish, I wish I could have gotten you to go to that. It was so freaking awesome. But anyway, uh, depressing, but awesome. 
Um, yeah, but, uh, do me but, a favor. Can you? I'm I'm sorry. I know it's been a minute, but can you email it to me again? Because I will. Um, I will. I, yeah. And my girlfriend is saying thank you in the background. She's so thankful because no one will stick up for these women. No one. And and my girlfriend actually, this little this little young girl got did so much just by herself. But it it you know there's billions of dollars against you right so it's a hard fight and a lot of people don't want to get into it because they're scared but the this adoption trafficking a woman and her sister are part of a huge lawsuit that is currently it's just got pushed through this is in in korea because so many children i think it's like fifty thousand plus children babies were stolen from there and the you know they're they're here now in america lost and confused but I'll send you all the info. It's really interesting. And the case might go through and they might be able to get the whole adoption industry shut down in Korea. It's, it's slow. We don't know what's going to happen. And obviously it's going through the court system. So, you know, flip a coin. Yeah, but Definitely. Like e- email me again because I, I know I had a number of stories and, and some things got lost in the fold. And I just if that ever happens, if you don't hear from me within like a week or two, just email me again because chances are it's it got I have a lot of emails and I, I suck at that part because um, <laughs> I, 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 I would definitely love for them to get a chance to tell their story. I, oh, that's so great. I would love that. And in a, I told don't worry. I know and I understand it. I my side, I've told so many tried to get it in front of so many big people and get it out there. And because I think the only way this is going to change is in the court of public opinion and the because the governments are both sides have signed legislation that have created this mess in the first place, going back to Reagan and Clinton and, and many others. But it, it's, it is a mess. And I think, you know, if we can get more eyeballs on it, and again, the propaganda on adoption is so strong. It's almost stronger than the propaganda on the whole COVID narrative, because when you bring up adoption, it's most people think of, oh, unicorns, rainbows, it's all beautiful. It's saving babies. But in reality, the adoption industry has nothing to do with, it's not really about saving babies. It's about giving infertile couples the ability to buy a baby so that they can fill a hole in their heart or you know, make a family themselves. And they use the narrative that they're all orphans or the mothers are all drug addicts or whatever. And it's just such a big old lie, but that's believe. Yeah, it's I, profitable, it's yeah. profitable. Anyway, I'm going to let you go. I love you. I love what you're doing. You're, you're fantastic. And um, just uh, all of you guys are doing a great job. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Okay, Roger. All right. uh, bye-bye. Thank you. Roger, I'm going to go to you. Let me go to Brent first, and then I'll go to you. All right, Brent, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hi, Sammy. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi. So um, I was listening to the... Um, the video on the, the hearing and um, it just seems like these uh, people that were interviewing Tahibi, they were, I think they're funded by um, the democratic establishment. So what, whatever Tahibi, whatever he released, uh, it's threatening the, the fundraising like machine that Debbie Waltzman Schultz or whatever her name is, it depends on for her income. So that's why she's so so mean is because she's she's looking at her bank account because all these politicians are greedy people so they look at their bank account and they're thinking about the impact um the twitter files or whatever it's called will have on their income 
So that's a good point to bring up because Debbie Weiserman Schultz, for those who don't know, is is very much corporate. Um, she ran against Jen Perlman. Jen Perlman ran against her as as a progressive. Um, but that district, from what I understand, is very much like, you know, liberal, blue, corporate, Democrat. Um, so I don't know why they keep voting for that woman, because I'm like, this this woman is horrible. Like, she's so mean, but like, they back those corporate dims and someone like her brings in a lot of money, too. So that's a good thing. Good point that you brought up is like the fundraising, because it's true. This is not a good look for donors that support these corporate like Democrats. It's not a good look. And some of them could pull back and say, yeah, I'm going to like not support you this time around because I don't want any connection to all of this that's going on over there with Elon Musk and these Twitter files. Right, right. And as far as Matt's answer on the Russia, on whether Russia is quote unquote bad, um, it's not surprising because he is a very well-versed in foreign policy and he seems to be a type of person who's not worried about how he's viewed in any uh, political sphere. So his he's very he knows he's knows what he was saying was what i'm trying to say like he he, he what he said wasn't a gaffe or anything because yeah, I, I i definitely would not have said that yeah be- i i think i would have spun it back at them and i would have said define bad right but he but he knows what he meant by russia bad what they meant was is russia they're, t- they're talking about the war because that's 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 the headlines everywhere they're talking about the war referring to the war and they were trying to put him in a situation where they if he said no they're not bad they would they would smear him and say he's not anti matt Taibbi's not anti-war look at he's he says russia's oak is not bad blah 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 so he has to say that russia is in terms of their actions in terms of what they did it's bad and he's in terms of that, he's able to explain himself later on, and the U.S. is also bad. If 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 Congress asked him that question, is the U.S. bad? He said, if he said yes, I wouldn't have an issue with it, you know, because um, the U.S. is is has been invading countries for decades. So there, every all the countries, they're in terms of foreign policy, they're not quote-unquote good so i think his answer was i think it was an okay answer for him to give because he has the experience and the and the knowledge to defend himself whereas just regular people like me like if if i was put like if i was being put in the spotlight i'd probably not be prepared to answer to properly defend myself whereas with matt he's very well versed in foreign policy so he's able to defend his answer better if that makes sense (laughs) matt had a lot of patience i I really couldn't have sat through that like i I really couldn't have like when i was listening like after the first hour i was like okay how long is this going to be like how long is this hearing going to be i was like wondering there for a second right right and yeah i mean i'm but i was i was shocked by like i thought he was going to say something like Bad could mean many things. Do you mean bad as in foreign policy, economic? Because Tahibi has lived in Russia. Yes. So, so he, so I think he should, I thought he would give like a more 
like throw back with a more nuanced, ask for a more nuanced question. Like, what do you mean by bad? By economic policy, uh, by foreign policy, what do you mean by is Russia bad? But he just says, just straight up said, Russia's bad. And that just shows how confident he is in the, because people are going to spend, if he said Russia's, Russia's not bad. Oh man. The media would, would roast yeah. him all the, they, they would say, uh, Tahibi's pro Russia. Look how he talks about, uh, U.S. provoking, blah, blah, uh, Ukraine provoking, which is all true. And I get people criticizing me all the time for, for not acknowledging that. But uh, U.S. provoked and Ukraine ex- expansion of NATO, all this kind of stuff. Look at him. And he says Russia's not bad. He's pro-Putin, which is absolute bullshit. He's not. Pro- I, I've, I've watched his stuff. He's not pro-Putin. He's anti-war. So <laughs> I yeah, think he I did a good job. I, I honestly, like some of the questions that they asked him, I would have just... Yeah. I, I honestly would have thrown those questions like right back at them. Like, and they say, do you think that Russia is bad? I'm like, define bad. Right. right. Define bad. When was the first time that you met with Elon Musk? Define first time. <laughs> oh my God. Is this in person? Is this virtually? Is this a phone call? Is it? I don't know. They were I, out I, to I, get him. They were out to get him and they, they wanted to, they wanted to get the sound bites. Yes. And to try make him look bad, and he's too experienced. He's, I could just tell just by the way he t- he's too experienced, too knowledgeable. Because you and I, we would just like start getting agitated, and then you would probably, or any of us, would be like get defensive, you know, because they they're clearly trying to get like go after him. They they weren't there to have a uh, a sincere discussion. They were just there to go after him and. I would, I would get so angry. I'd be like, F you guys. (laughs) Well, the question where, uh, the one Congresswoman, when she was trying to get him to reveal his source, even though she said she wasn't like, like that piece, I was like typing, like, cause I was listening to this. I was typing. And then when that part came up and I noticed Matt got silent and I said, uh, oh, Oh, that's when I looked over and I was like, I said, uh, oh, I said, she's going to try to trip him up. Right. That's what she was trying to do. Right. You know, like, well, Elon Musk gave you, he's like, again, I can't tell you who my sources are. And she was like, well, either you tell us that it, Elon Musk, or if it wasn't him, then then he wasn't your source. And see, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get him to basically cough up enough information so that they can say, oh, Elon Musk was the source. Let's subpoena him and let's bring him in here. Uh, for a hearing next and that's what i was afraid of like when he paused and he was like what do you mean yeah i right. i didn't i don't know yeah he's but he's i, I could tell he handled that really well because i don't like i don't know how he does it but all that was that televised too yeah the part where it was the same woman but she was also asking about did you release the information on Twitter first or did you give that information to the chairman first? And he got tripped up a little bit over that. And I was sitting there and I was listening to that. And I was like, Matt, you released it on Twitter first. (laughs) He was like, he said, I think I, I put it on Twitter first. And I was thinking to myself like, no, you did, Matt, you released it on Twitter first. I already read this two people that's what so it was it was it was weird for me and like if you guys would have been listening to it live too you probably would have feeling the same way like 
Matt, you released it on Twitter first because Sabrina and a bunch of other people covered it when you released it on Twitter. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, no, don't let her trip you up. You released it on Twitter first and then you gave the information to them. But she was, she was like, did you give it? She tripped him up because she said, did you give that information to Twitter? And I think that's what tripped him up because technically did he give the information to Twitter? No, Twitter already had the information. He released it on Twitter, on the platform. And I think she did that on purpose. Right. And obviously being in that situation, being asked the questions, people look at you. I could see how nerves could play a role in how he responds. I mean, us watching from the outside, it's easy for us to say it was obvious. But when you're in that situation, it's kind of like, oh, she's trying to trick me. I have to be careful. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's just, I don't know. We'll see what else comes of this. Who knows if they're going to call more people to a hearing. Um, Maybe not. I'm surprised Barry Weiss wasn't called because she was one of the first two people to release files. First it was him and then it was her. Right. Uh, Well, we'll see. So, all right. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Brent. Roger and then Ashura. So, how you doing, Sabrina? So, hello. Good, good. So, um, what the guy was talking about before about the selling of babies and stuff like that, um, you got to also remember that's against the Thirteenth Amendment because that's slavery. People forget that you know slavery wasn't just you know forcing people to work against their will and all that stuff. It was also the selling of human beings. So I just want to tap on that real quick. Um, also, when everyone is saying is impressed by how Matt handled himself so well because he got all this experience, I think a lot of the the younger, I can't believe I'm saying the younger people, um, but a lot of the, the uh, millennials and the younger people probably forgot or don't know who Matt's dad is, uh, Mike Taibbi, who I remember I grew up watching, you know, uh, I think it was CBS News Tonight, tonight. Mike Taibbi, you know what I mean? So I remember that name growing up in the 80s, you know, Mike Taibbi, he was like a big deal, I think on Channel 2, CBS News or whatever, he was like an anchorman or something like that. Yeah, I I think he was on Boston Local News too at one point. Yeah, yeah, so Matt just didn't have uh, uh, experience. He had training <laughs> firsthand on, <laughs> on, on how to handle these people, you know? And um, as far as them asking Matt if whether or not Putin was messing in our elections to undermine them, what about if he would have said, I mean, I was thinking maybe the correct answer would have been him saying, not to the point that it cost Hillary the elections. Um, imagine when Debbie rigged the primary Schultz for Hillary was pocket watching Matt as far as where he gets his money from. Imagine if he would have said, well, it's a more honest day's work than insider trading. Um, This is ridiculous. These people are partisan actors who are doing nothing but protecting their teams. They were so invested in Hillary 
that they can't get over it. I mean, this shit needs to end right now. Uh, by their, like I said, it goes back to partisanship. You know, by their very design, political parties cause nothing but division, strife, and distraction, and dishonesty from getting things done because they want the credit so they'll sabotage the other party. Um, that bubble-headed crybaby, crybaby blonde who said, you know, you didn't give the information to us first. You gave it to Republicans. Boo-hoo. These idiots in Congress remind me of that, uh, of, of when that congressman was asking Mark Zuckerberg, uh, what a well, he, he gave it to the chairman, for those who weren't aware. He gave it to the chairman, and that was Jim Jordan. Right, right. So she was crying about a cry. Like, you gave it to them first instead of us. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, it's only when we abolish all political parties will we not just have a co-equal branch of government seen in Congress but an independent branch with no incentive to protect members of another branch, but no malice towards it either. This is, this is all a protection racket. If you, now, some people were saying they, they would have wanted to see Matt show a little fire. I will tell you this, if you wanted to see some fire, you should have checked out that Senate hearing that Bernie Sanders chairs. There was, they were interviewing some, um, a union leader or something like that. And there was, so this is the flip side of it, okay? There was some Republican senator, I forgot from what state, and he used to be like a business owner and he hates unions. And him and the union leader was going back and forth. And the, the Senate guy was just like, you know, I'm not afraid of confrontation. And the union leader was just like, oh yeah, I right, tough guy. You talk a lot of stuff. Let's go outside and blah, blah, blah. So they were kind of like going back and forth or whatever the case is. You know, if you want to see some, some fire, you could, you know, I saw a little bit of that. That was, that was like crazy. Like, come on, tough guy, <laughs> whatever the case is. And Bernie Sanders was just like, okay, hold on everybody. Chill out. And so on and so forth. Um, I just, I just put it in, in the chat if anybody wants to see it, but um. That was a 20, that, that, that house, uh, um, that house uh, thing that we was watching when they were interviewing, interrogating Matt. So that was a 21 member committee. Nine of those members come from states, Ohio, North Dakota, Florida, California, Massachusetts, right? Now, where voters can amend their state constitution using the CBI process. Food. It's time we got to- <laughs> if, <Sorry>. they rat- <laughs> if they ratified an initiative amendment to make the existence of parties in their state unconstitution, unconstitutional, this would have been a very different hearing. Um, oh, yeah, I had to laugh when, when the brother came in there and was and made it about him. He was talking about, oh, it was all personal. Yeah, yeah, he made it personal. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Then he tried to say uh, that hate speech is not protected under the First Amendment. I was like, uh, no, it is. That's why you have it. You don't, <laughs> you don't have the First Amendment to protect speech that you do like. Speech you do like don't need protecting because no one's going to be like, hey, get that out of there. It's the speech that you don't like. But um, the only thing I had a problem with 
Jim Jordan was about when he was talking about Lena Khan, who was the head of the FCC. I do like it because from what I've been seeing, she's been the only person on in the Biden administration that's actually doing something with these corporations where she's she's leaning toward or been practicing or getting ready to practice or threatening to practice enforce antitrust law, which we haven't seen in decades. You know, we we've been a we've been allowing these these companies to just merge and merge and merge and merge. And then, to, you know, they talk about, oh, yeah, the, who was that guy? Oh, that guy Lynch, who who said uh, the Russian oligarchs. That guy, I think that guy was from, from your state, Massachusetts. He's terrible, oh, Roger. The Russian oligarchs. I said, like, we got American oligarchs right here. Yep. You know, it'll be because we've allowed these, these industries to, 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 you know, to, to be like, hold on, wait a minute, you can't merge. You know what I mean? But um, to be honest with you, I am past antitrust at this point. I'm for worker and government takeovers of essential industries. And now with this new weapon, uh, revoking of corporate charters to reissue cooperative charters instead. You know, we, we got to start putting that language out there of revocation of corporate charters and reissue as cooperative charters. Also, I thought Daryl Issa left Congress a few years ago. You know, that was the guy that used to say, protected by Viper, stand back. I was like, I thought that guy left. I thought, I thought, he, I thought he resigned years ago when he came back. You know, but. I don't know. Let's bring in Ashura. Ashura, what's your take on, on uh, the hearing today? Just got to unmute. Uh, I had to quickly see it. So it's it was a good thing. There was a long list of people. I kind of got annoyed at the Washington Salt Schultz. <laughs> it, I would have basically went on, went on right now. I'm like, why are you still in the office? I Honestly, she shouldn't even be able to still keep a seat. Well, like, they're corrupt. So they'll they'll do anything possible. I mean, I was uh, watching CJ and Nick today, and I heard that uh, what was it? The what, what the fuck are called these? Is is it the Justice Democrats or some group that got annihilated in some state? The Democrats just fucking took over, and made them look bad, and Bernie Sanders basically threw them under the bus. I think it was Nevada. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so, so Nevada, oh, Nevada. The the Democratic Socialists in Nevada were taken over. Yeah, they they got rid of them. It's not it's not one of that guy with the glasses. He's not from that group, is he? The guy who came on my show. Yeah, Mister Mix of no. Harry Potter. No, and, uh, he's he's not. A, you know what? You guys got jokes. Um, Harry Potter. I forgot what the other equation is. <laughs> What did, what did Max say? Max Blumenthal said he was Harry Potter and something else. <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, no, he's he's not a democratic socialist. He's a socialist. I thought they were the same thing. He, 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 was, nope. bitching, he was bitching like a Democrat. No, they're they're not the same thing. No, democratic socialists believe in capitalism reform, that you can reform capitalism. Socialists don't. Okay. Socialists believe in um, workers owning the means of the production. So these people were in the Democratic Party? Yes. Just like uh, just like the squad. They're Democrat. They call themselves democratic socialists. 
that wouldn't be a problem if you know Nevada uh, um, Nevadans can um, amend their constitution using the using the citizen ballot initiative process. Imagine if they did that and just said the existence of political parties in the state of Nevada shall now be deemed unconstitutional. That fight would have even happened because there would be no party infrastructure. Just you're a candidate, you have your own infrastructure. Everyone for himself. Yeah, because uh, they, they tried to go after Taibi, like they tried to destroy him right there as if he was a liar. I'm like, wait a minute. He gave it to Jim Jordan. The, the, I didn't understand the question at first. Like, did she talk about as if where did you post the thing first on that day? Was, was it uh, on days beforehand when the Twitter files came out? Because I was kind of confused, confused on the question. But I think she did that on purpose, Ashura. Yeah, because I was like, were you talking the day it came out or I'm talking like this day when you come talking coming to Congress? Because I'm like, mm, he put it out, but then on this day, he gave it to Jim Jordan because the Republicans are in power. Because if the Democrats were in power, the Democrats would have gotten, uh, they would have gotten the deal. Right, because see, a lot of these politicians, like, honestly, a lot of them were lawyers first. Well, they are lawyers, most of them. And most of them are, yeah. So they know how to ask. I mean, with the with the exception of like the 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 squad members, most of them, um, most of the congressmen and women were lawyers, and so they know how to ask questions in such a way. The effective ones know how to do it in such a way to trip people up if they need to be. Yeah, but wasn't uh, Talib a lawyer herself? Rashida Talib. Yeah, you said the squad most like the squad weren't like I'm pretty sure Talib was a lawyer. I didn't know she was a lawyer. That's interesting. She was allowed to run with just Democrats then. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure her her thing is that she was a lawyer. Uh, what? What type of lawyer? Because that could make a difference. Was she a labor lawyer? A trial lawyer? I don't know what kind of lawyer he was. It's, it's, uh, ask, ask Jane Gucker what kind of lawyer he was. I mean, he said he was a lawyer. Oh, God. <laughs> and he tried to fucking make. He tried to pin, pin, pin. Someone put in the chat, immigration lawyer. Okay. Oh, okay. So, because Jake Ugerman, he said like the reason why he quit being a lawyer is because they tried to make him pin some guy that didn't do something, and he felt like he didn't want to do it. That's why he left. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was basically a bad lawyer, so he made up a fucking story. Because I saw Jank Uger, um, he was still bitching about the Tucker thing. I'm like, um, what, what do you mean this thing is selectively edited? Like, it wasn't the uh, Kevin McCarthy just gave him the fucking tapes? No, but, everybody... listen, but but listen about the about the tapes. Um, Convo Couch and Chuck Modi were actually there on the ground when January 6th happened, and they live streamed it. Yeah, I was and, watching too. But but listen, even Chuck Modi and them, Chuck Modi and Convo Couch both said back then they let them in. They had the video footage that showed them being just let in, and yeah, that did. and that's why they got um, that's why they got demonetized. Wow. Yeah, because uh, I, I saw the picture too. Like they they let them in, they let them in, and Kalinsky. He was showing that same thing, and then they when they put the other side, like some other version where. Oh, they didn't let in. They just walk. They just bust right in. Kokolinsky automatically changed his mind. He was like, "Oh my God, the Democrats are so fucking right." Uh, I thought it was this. Now it's that. 
I was like, this guy is such a fucking fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see there's some shit going on online between Bree and uh, the guys at RBN. I mean, that, that one thing about <laughs> the dirty break... The dirty brick is still going on. <laughs> I told you guys I don't spend much I don't spend that much time on Twitter. Like most of the time I gotta tell you something interesting. Um, so yesterday was my birthday. I guess that's not the interesting part. You guys knew that already. But <laughs> because I would you know, I had plans yesterday, so um I posted like my happy birthday thing. Yeah. And then I was off Twitter the rest of the fucking day. Yeah. And you know what? It felt good. Like, like, honestly, like I posted that one thing because usually I'll go on there and I'll at least post something. I may not, I may not, I may not respond to shit. <laughs> I'm notorious for that, but I'll at least post something. Yesterday, I posted that one thing and then I was off for the rest of the day. And then I think I came back later on that night and retweeted something and that was it. And Mentally, I, I think it's it's really like healthy to not be on Twitter all the fucking time. But like I, I told you, I I don't, I I told you guys I don't fuck around on Twitter like that. Like I don't get into argue arguments with people on Twitter. I'll post something and then I'll hop off. That's it. Like I don't I don't really I don't have time. Huh? Why was you was you was you the uh, sister that was in the middle? No, that was no, that wasn't her. I think she was in the front. You, you can tell. Sabi has a specific nose. <laughs> I know it was yeah, her. Yeah, I was. I was blowing out the candles. But hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. I could have saw that was you. In the, uh... no, who would be the other? Who's the other black child blowing out my candles? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> You were trying to blow them out before the the cake was even on the table. I forgot. I made I made fun of you. You were in a rush. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot you. You. I told you you lost your pigmentation when you got older. I did. I did. I died. I don't. I don't know what happened. You came to America oh and you lost your pigmentation. So I'm looking at the middle because that looks more like you today. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not that light skinned. I, I mean, I'm I'm not even light skinned. But, but, yes, my complexion, my complexion did get lighter when we moved to the states. Wait, where were you when that birthday was happening? That was in Germany. Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was in Germany. I don't know what it was. Must have been something in the air, but my complexion did get lighter when I moved to the States. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the girl standing next to me in the picture. That's more so Courtney Banks complexion. So if you follow Roger, you follow the Banks sisters on Twitter? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, I mean, well, nothing, you know, like nothing, no shade out of anything like that. I just well, you know. if if you look at Courtney's Twitter page, she mm -hmm. posted a picture of me and her at the Rage Against the War Machine rally. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So yeah, that's oh, my, my complexion. Well, the, but those are not your sister sister, those are not your sisters. Those two yeah, girls. Not, yeah, they're both sisters. Those two girls are sisters, but they're not my sisters. Oh. Those were my friends. Yeah. That middle one looks like you. 
We don't all look like Roger. Because <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, uh, um, did the other one was on vacation or something? Because she wasn't there. Because normally they do everything together. I think Courtney said that Keisha was either. I think Keisha might have been either with her boyfriend or she was traveling. Something, something okay. like that. I forgot. Okay. She explained it to me. She wasn't going to be able to make it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, have you heard anything about if they're doing any rallies after this? I mean, they said there was going to be a rally after the um, the war machine thing. Yeah, I announced the the rally on March for March eighteenth in DC in front of the White House. Okay, so so no, it's the one for the uh, okay. So after that, like no more marches, just that one. I I don't know. I mean, this is a different different groups organizing this one. It's different groups organizing different marches. Yeah, because I saw the pro-war Ukraine rally. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Don't even yeah, get me started. Yeah, the pro-war Ukraine rally, and that was anti-war, but the one with the libertarians was not. That that was pro-war. I'm like, what the fuck? How the, how the fuck do you do this? this uh, what do they call it? Cognitive. Um, Samantha Powell there. Yeah, she was there. Like, she was watching. And people were oh, saying... So somebody said, someone said in the chat that um, it's the water savvy. You know what it may have been? Because like when I lived in Germany, we weren't allowed to use, we couldn't drink the water, the tap water. So my mom used to buy like bottles and bottles of Evian water. I don't even know, the stores still sell that. It's the Avion water. I just remember we couldn't use the water. And like, even when like my mom had to wash my hair. She used to have to use bottled water to wash my hair when we were in Germany. What's wrong with the water? I mean, the... I don't know. Uh, I, just, I just know we we couldn't drink, we could not drink the tap water. I think it was, my mom called it hard water. I don't know what that means. Like, she was like, it was hard water. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that really meant. I just knew we could not drink the water. And like, hard water friends, usually means a lot of uh, minerals in the water. Yeah, yeah, so oh. like must have been minerals something in there. Okay. So so uh any update um you got for uh the town of Ohio? Nothing. Joe Biden hasn't showed up. He hasn't gone back from Ukraine. I'm covering the hearing that happened with um Norfolk Southern tomorrow on RBN. Okay. I'm not doing another hearing on my channel tomorrow night because I I didn't <laughs> You guys are probably like, damn, this shit is long. And I didn't even do the whole thing. How long was it? It was over, that hearing today was over two hours. I think it was two hours and 25 minutes. Don't they go, don't they go much longer than that for these hearings? Like 10 hours, 12 hours? It, 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 it depends. It depends. Like the one for the railroad, um, company, that one is also a little over two hours. Um, but I'm only, there's certain parts I'm going to cover for that tomorrow. Um, for RBN, and then um, I actually have a guest coming on tomorrow night on my show. In the beginning, it's the gentleman who's trying to start trying to do the Philly Bank, the Philly Public Bank. He's going to come on, and I have news stories. So, yeah, um, my final thought is: um, you got the Republicans running this shit, and they 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 look they look good right now with the free speech and everything. And the Democrats are looking like they're Republicans, even though they are Republicans. But they're dropping the ball if they're going after this guy for exposing that it was Democrats who were basically nudging Twitter 
to go after Republicans and Donald Trump or, or cancellation everywhere. And for some reason, like, uh, just exposing that makes you a bad person. Mm. Well, my thing is, again, is that just because they may not like the information that was revealed doesn't mean the information is false. Well, just make them look bad because now people can people can't say that the Democrats aren't the same as the Republicans. They're basically the same thing. It's like when I when I talk to people, they say, "Oh, well, you watch Jimmy Dore and said Jimmy Dore's." They say like he, his fucking channel is more right wing than it is left. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, who fucking cares? It's like Jimmy hasn't changed, so why do you care? How do people even know that? Like, how would but, people even know? I think it's the comment section. Their, their 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 idea is just the comment section based on a certain video that's not racking up numbers like the rest do. And their narrative is, well, it's because he talks about COVID and he goes after Democrats. Therefore, those videos go up. Oh. And, and if the police videos don't go up, that means, oh, well, it's, it's, it's that, that channel's right wing. I mean, people can just fucking comment without having to be a subscriber. That's a good point. I mean, there are trolls. There are some people who will just do that. And and some people hate watch. This was like brought to my attention last year well, where yeah. someone told me this before. They said some people just hate watch. And I'm like, it, it, why? <laughs> why would you waste your time? <laughs> give me that. Give me that hour and a half back. <laughs> well, some people just they treat Jimmy like he's Alex Jones. So they needed a new villain. Mm. Yeah, and with the Marianne thing, like it's not going so well. It's like with Twitter, I I, I think people are uh, they're, they're they're owning up to Marianne. I mean, <laughs> she literally says, "I'm bending the knee on, on national on national television." When it shit comes to, when shit comes to to the fan, I will bend the knee to Joe Biden. And <laughs> where's the dirty break? Where's the so called dirty break that was going to happen? And Bree's been going after like RBM members for just saying that Marianne's not going to do it. She's not, she's going to do a dirty break. No, IBN says, no, she's not going to do it because she doesn't want to do it. And then they, they, then she puts the Kashama video. Okay, fuck. I mean, Shama. <laughs> I, yeah, she'll, she'll better correct that. She'll bite your head off like she did, Ma. No, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't correct Eric when she said it. I think it was Eric. Eric said it right, right. And she didn't correct him. Which Eric? She corrected me, though. No, the, there was a, there, there was another Eric. He was repeating the, with the K one. I was like, okay, so I didn't. I'm gonna get a correction. <laughs> well, you come- well, no, I'll just say this again. No, like, no. I don't do that. I, I don't like that back and forth, like Twitter stuff. Like, I really don't like that. Um, I mean, I will also say, like, you guys know my opinion about Marianne. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would not be supporting Marianne. And there's a video by um, Do Dissidents. You yeah. guys familiar with Do Dissidents? Uh, no, I know. I'm subscribed to them. Okay. There's a video. Um, you it, mean wasn't the a live, it wasn't a live stream. It was just a clip. And it's called something like, shit, I just watched it today. Hold on. You mean See, the one when they call, you mean when they the one where they call out Brianna and the Vanguard for misleading their audience as if Marianne says he's gonna she's gonna do a dirty break even though she's no. not gonna do it. Mm-mm. This isn't no. no. This this is 
this isn't even like a um this video is like eight minutes long and it's not even I don't think they show no he doesn't show any clips or articles or anything it's just like a solo commentary okay it, was it just him that Tucker what's his name like the guy with the glasses was it just him talking yes okay I saw that video I don't know what you're talking about he was basically explaining the Marianne thing that he was like a fucking joke and I remember that shit right, yeah what's the name of it Ashura let me let me see if I can find it Keaton his name is Keaton. No, the name of the the video clip, because people, I think people should watch what he said. It's due dissidents, but you'll see it because he's the only one in the thumbnail. Because if he was doing with the guy with his partner, they would be both in the thumbnail. No. Well, it's called it's called progressive media desperate to recreate. Yes, is that one? That's that's the video. Um. Progressive media desperate to recreate, and it has Marianne, Kyle, Crystal, and Bernie Sanders on the yeah. thumbnail. That's the one you should watch. Yeah, I saw that one. Can you put it one. in the chat? Huh? Can you put it in the chat? No, I'm on my phone. I'm on my phone too. That's why I I could I could go on YouTube and put it in the chat. Oh wait a minute! It does let me still copy the link. Hold on, I'll put it in here. Oh, this is speaking, the one. Of, speaking of Bernie, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with Bernie. Every time he has someone allied that he has, he, he fucking throws him under the bus. Like you got Zephyr Teachout basically did an expose on Biden and she he threw her under the bus. The uh, Nevada Democrats, they tried to do shit and basically Bernie then threw them under the bus by saying that uh, they were trying to do shit in there and it fucked it fucked up the movement. Because Bernie Sanders is a sheep herder. I'm like, how do people not see this guy throw you under the bus? I wonder how these people feel. Oh, they're still going to back Bernie. <laughs> I, back don't Bernie. I don't know. But, but Bernie Sanders, well, like, Bernie, this is... But if Bernie tells them to go back Biden, that's one thing I want to say. So Bernie Sanders is backing Joe Biden. In fact, I'll be discussing that tomorrow night, too. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm going to hang up and let people speak. Alrighty, let's bring in Rob. It's another Rob. A lot of people have pets. I see your pictures. What's up, Rob? You just have to unmute. But a lot of you guys have pets, whether it's a dog or a cat. No, that's really the dog talking. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, hey, Rob. I finally got unmuted. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the dog and the uh, profile picture. Uh, is uh or uh no longer with us he he passed away um about a year and a half ago he was a border collie uh named jack who is just full of energy oh Oh, Um, i'm sorry to hear that oh thanks he uh so that that's sort of like my uh my little little tribute to uh to jack um Anyway, I, I saw that y'all were, were talking about the the hearings in Congress over the Twitter files. Yes. How yeah. do you feel about this? Uh, it was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it uh, uh, originally Republicans looking into uh, the censorship that the that Twitter under the old regime was uh, was undergoing? With regards to the 
Hunter Biden laptop and and I think the, so. I yeah. think originally, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um um Democrats certainly uh were were looking to uh to really bully the fuck out of Matt Taibbi, weren't they? <laughs> Because the the clips that I saw, it was just it was them just hectoring the hell out of out of Taibbi, and it looked like they were like relishing doing it because uh, they clearly had have had it out for for Taibbi ever since 2016 or 2017 when he uh, wouldn't uh, go along with the RussiaGate narrative. Oh, yeah. Anybody that um, see, this is why like certain people are not invited onto liberal media outlets. This is why certain people are not invited onto CNN or MSNBC. Any of those people that went along with the, you know, Russiagate is is not real. Nah, they won't let them come on. Yeah. I I also saw Keith Olbermann dumping on on Taibbi and uh, saying something like, uh, Wow, I wish I hadn't put him on my TV show back in the day or some stupid crap like that. Keith Oberman um, is another, for people who don't know, Keith Oberman is another corporate Democrat journalist. That's all he is. Another corporate yeah. goon. <laughs> who, who was originally a sportscaster on, on ESPN. Yep. The, uh, it, it, if you see uh, your, your local news uh, the sportscasters who who crack jokes when they're giving the the scores or showing the the plays. Uh, Olbermann and Dan Patrick basically created that formula. That's interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the. They were the first sportscasters to uh, fancy themselves uh, comedians, <laughs> basically. <laughs> And and of course, yeah, he carried that on um, uh, when he switched to a uh, to MSNBC. Uh, Oberman's actually infamous in, in broadcasting for for not playing well with others. Like uh, he he's been with ESPN like two or three times, and each time uh, he he kept burning bridges. Um, he was on Al Gore's network. Uh, Al Jazeera. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then fell out with them. Um, Remember probably... when people told Al Gore that he was crazy when he started talking about climate change? Yeah. I, 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 I mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, um, the last thing I heard about Oberman was he was going to go back to MSNBC, but he was apparently blocked from doing so by by Rachel Maddow which whoa <laughs> yeah that was that was like news for like 5 seconds last year what yeah yeah he was going to be um given i think Rachel Maddow's time slot when she was going to be um um uh, not stepping down but but lightening her uh, her workload and she she vetoed it, which is ironic because um, she started out on that network. He's the as, one that's uh, responsible for bringing her over. I'm sorry. 
he's the one responsible for for bringing her to MSNBC. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Crazy times. Uh, yeah. And I also saw like the the Democrat um, Congress uh, people um, just hectoring Taibbi over. Uh, well, when did you first meet Elon Musk? And well, I, I'm just I can't tell you that because that would be revealing a source and and just going back and back and forth. I've noticed uh, ever since he started doing the Twitter files, if Taibbi's on like a left, indie left media, he's much more testy than than he normally is. He did uh, Sirota's call in uh, maybe two or three weeks after he started publishing the Twitter files. And uh, and Sirota didn't really say anything um, anything bad. He was just saying something like, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of Elon Musk and, and and Twitter, what what's being revealed in in these files are it's it's newsworthy and it's and it's worth discussing. And <laughs> Matt was like, "Are we done apologizing for my piece?" Uh, and then uh, I, I, covered didn't that. The- I covered that on RBN and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think Matt Tybee's probably just frustrated and probably like, like, damn, will people leave me alone about this shit? Like, yeah, it, it just it, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like for me, it just it seems like people are coming out of the woodwork to criticize him and attack him about this. And I'm just like what's the motive? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, why is it because he criticized because what well, he criticized, but is it because the information that was revealed was against heavily or heavily against the democratic party? Is that why people are so upset? Like you guys are being ridiculous. I, I bet you if Matt Taibbi released information and most of it was about the Republican party, most of these people wouldn't have said anything to him about this they would not be criticizing him right now they would be like oh good job good job and that includes people like Mehdi Hassan Mehdi Hassan was another one who attacked him and said doing doing PR for the richest man in the world they all had the same fucking talking point they, it's yeah. just like someone says this is the talking point we're going to use and let's put this in the DM group where we all say the same thing and that's what I, I really think that's what happened political parties are divisive you know if all of us you know, like looked at all of these politicians the same way, then they have no wins. That's why they keep us divided with these with these parties. You know, we got to get rid of them. Yep. yep. Then we then there's then that protection racket is gone. You know, none of this. Oh, I'm protecting my favorite party. He's on my team. They're like, nope. You know, these people that like Trump. They don't like the Republican Party. They they just like Trump. I'll say something else, too, for people who say, well, we have we have to protect our democracy. If we had a true democracy, we wouldn't have an electoral college. Mm-hmm. And we would, would have just, a national ballot initiative. Exactly. It would just be a popular vote. There wouldn't be political parties. We wouldn't have um, electoral college. 
if we had real democracy. We don't have real democracy. Exactly. It's crazy. They wouldn't make it so that third party candidates can get on the debate stage. Like I said, they learned their lesson from Ross Perot. After Ross Perot, they were like, oh, hell no. This guy cost uh, George Bush Sr. re-election. And he did. Like Ross Perot came in and he took a significant chunk of the vote. Like to the, I think he got like 18% and he was on the debate stage. So they were like, never mind. Let us change the rules and make it more difficult for third party candidates to get on the debate stage. And that's how that yep. happened. I think that's still debatable. Because I think those people that voted for Ross were people that weren't going to vote if Ross wasn't in there. What do you mean? Those people that voted for for Ross Perot, like if Ross Perot wasn't in there, there's this assumption that those people would have went for Bush or Clinton. Those people might not have voted at all. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because third parties bring out registered non-voters. Oh, speaking of that, anybody who lives in New York City, me and Lucy need some help trying to uh, register people under no party. Let us know, let us know, let us know. We need as much help as we can. I just want to respond to something in the chat. Uh, Murphy said maybe there's some jealousy of Matt getting these opportunities. That could be part of it too. Maybe some people are jealous that they weren't chosen, you know? Oh, is there a response to uh to uh why Barry Weiss wasn't uh called upon to uh to testify? Um didn't she leave the Twitter files project early on after Elon uh Banned uh, uh, discussion about the 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 guy that the uh, track was tracking his plane. Or am I thinking of something else? Oh, uh, I'm not hearing anything. I haven't seen anything oh. come from her since that first round of files. So I don't know if she's still with the project or not, but I still think that she still should have been called to Congress because she was the second person to release Twitter files. Right. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Uh, Murphy in the chat. (laughs) Um, I I, I don't know if (laughs) if that's true. Murphy, but, <laughs> but Murphy, it's, Murphy's it's pretty funny to think. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy's cracking people up in the chat. But anything else, Rob? Because I'm going to finish up with Red, and then I'm going to head out. No, no. Um, just um, uh, uh, just to point point out when he was on uh when Ty, Matt was on uh Bad Faith last last week, he he was pretty testy with 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 Bree too. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's it. You know, it sucks to be Matt oh, Taibbi today. <laughs> I know. Damn. I was like, good <laughs> lord. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Rob. All right. Thank you.
All right, let me bring in Red. Red, you are the final caller. It is the final countdown. You just got to unmute your mic. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. <laughs> Sorry. That song always, <laughs> I used to make fun of that music video. Um, Red, are you there? Red? Red might have fallen asleep. Red might have been like, look, it's past Maybe my bedtime. Uh, Go ahead, Roger. Maybe his thing got grayed out. His uh, mute button might have gotten grayed out. That happens sometimes. Um, yeah, also, you might be singing, singing, you might be seeing a lot more, um, you know, some, some that I recently learned. Um, you might be seeing a lot more independent um, voters, uh, registered voters across the country, at least for those uh, who states who've passed automatic voter registration. Because, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned this before, when you guys, when you were on Cases Show and talking about what happened in Nevada um, and about how uh, the Democrat uh, registration went from 39 to 30 percent, but independent went from 20 to 28 percent, that they said that was mostly because of automatic voter registration. Mm. So when you interact, if you've never voted, if you never were registered before and you interact with the state agency, you know, like the um, DMV or, you know, Department of Health or whatever the case is, right, they will automatically uh, register you. And of course, you know, they're not going to show size. They'll automatically put you in the um, independent, no party, no party preference, unaffiliated, non-affiliated column. So that, so it's like, it's kind of like on automatic pilot. Um, also, um, um, I don't know how many states are doing the pre-registration, but for um, we passed in New York State uh, pre-registration for 16 and 17 year olds. So it's like we could get people uh, registered under the under the no party column by the time they turn 18. The system will just oh they uh, they turned 18. We already got the information. Boom, you know, register them. You know, to 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 increase that that um, independent count because um, we're already the majority. We just have to, we, we just, we, we only hit 50% once, but I think they said, if you remember when they said, oh, 50% uh, uh, of Americans consider themselves independent. That's not the same thing as 50% of Americans are registered independent. There are a lot of people that consider themselves, oh, I'm an independent, but they're still registered Democrat. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why you you and Lucy were right about that, that people need to change their registration. Yeah, because that that speaks volumes. I'm a registered independent. Because what happens is these guys, these politicians, when it comes time to campaign again, they take a look at um, I guess the proper term is voter rolls. I've heard that term before, but they they go to, to the thing, to the Board of Elections. I don't know what you know, other states call them or whatever, but in New York State, they call them the Board of Elections and they take a look at how many people are registered in their district under their party. Once they start seeing like, oh, shoot, <laughs> the, 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 the number of, uh, of Indies grew. 
and the number of Dems either stayed stagnant or it, or it went down, then they start panicking. You know, I want I want a lot of panic. You know, once 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 you make your state a, a purple state, then you become a swing state. And once you get just about everybody, or at least more than fifty percent of the people in your state independent, then you become like then you're going to be seeing a lot of attention coming to your state from from you know these people wanting to run for president and so on and so forth. Um, not to say they're going to do anything, but you know, I'm I'm tired of Iowa being the freaking <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, oh, not anymore. Not anymore. Oh yeah, because the because they shifted it to South Carolina now. Mm-hmm. But that don't mean shit either for Democrats because yeah, at the end of the day, South Carolina is a red state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like that doesn't you know? It's the illusion of uh, the illusion of power. Oh, and I definitely got something for you regarding with the um, with the ballot initiative stuff. So. I got some news for you that I'm gonna send you regarding uh, Mississippi. You already know about Oklahoma, but there's there's some news about Mississippi that you're gonna see coming up. All right, um, cool. All try right, Red guys. Again. All right, Red. We're gonna try one more time. Red, are you there? The final countdown. The that final band. Countdown. Fun fact, that band also sang this song called uh, The Trail of Tears, which is like the actual Trail of Tears, like from history, called Cherokee. They're like, Cherokee, walking on the Trail of Tears, Cherokee. (laughs) Man, those bands from the 80s were wild. (laughs) That sounded like uh, one of those um, music from the... uh, the the eighties after school cartoons. <laughs> oh, they don't. You know what? They don't do after school specials anymore. They don't do after school cartoons anymore. They don't do Saturday do morning cartoons do... anymore. I was gonna ask that for those of you who have kids. Do they do Saturday morning cartoons nope, anymore? That, nope. That ended after uh, the nineties. Once we got into the Damn. that that been gone for for. Since since Bush was president, Savvy. Damn. Because everything is instant now. You could just you could just get like on demand and all that stuff. Saturday morning cartoons was my jam. Like I used to get up in the morning, make myself a bowl of cereal, and plop right in front of the TV and watch Saturday morning cartoons. I I, I send you a couple of videos of, about what happened. It was a combination of stuff. And part of it was was the was the government, but of course there was, other, there was some other stuff as well. But yeah, no, the nineties was the last was the last decade. I used to watch Looney Tunes and stuff like that. Does does Looney Tunes even still come on anymore? Well, like I said, if you want to catch anything, you gotta, you know, it's you either get it on YouTube or like uh, Tune. Well, not Toonami, but you know, th- you know, this other, you know, like. You, you know, you could get anything that you want now, like instantly. So, hmm. you can well, build a HBO Max or something. That's Warner Brothers. Okay. Well, I, I did see that apparently the real world came back, and I was like, they brought the real world back? The real world will never be, new real world will never be 
like old school real world on MTV. It will never be the same because this was before social media. Well, th that was the first reality show. Yep, it really was for people who don't know that. Like it started with the real world. It was before social media and like they weren't allowed to have like any phones. Like they couldn't have like their smartphones. They couldn't watch TV, none of that shit. None of that. They just had to deal with each other. <laughs> All right, I'm going to head out, guys. It is past my time. And it is the final countdown. The final countdown. Red, Red, are you there? She's going away. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Noel. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I'll be back live tomorrow night. And 